Hello, everyone, and welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host, Nick, coming to you from the upside-down Spider-Man kiss capital of the world, Los Angeles, California. Uh, that will make sense later, I promise. And joining me here in the City of Angels is my co-host, Jules. Jules, how are you doing today? I've been building a nest in the Lincoln Center fountain, and now I'm getting credit for armed robbery foiling. <laughs> I did see that in the New York Post. And joining us from the wristages of Southern California, the Inland Empire, is my other co-host, John. John, what's happening? I'm revolutionizing the healthcare industry with vertical CPR. <laughs> I hear you get the best leverage like that. God, yeah, before we get started, if you like what you hear today, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Also, be sure to share the show with anyone you think might like to listen as well. And all of that is because we watched the 2002 Spider-Man movie starring Tobey Maguire and directed by Sam Raimi. And John, how would you tell somebody you watch Spider-Man without using the title? It's simple, really. With great power comes great responsibility. And with greater power comes the ability to ignore it. <laughs> if only if we had the option. And Jules, of the producers had asked you to come up with a different title for this movie, what would it be? Well, the one I came up with was The Amazing J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> he is indeed. Spectacular, some might say. This movie was fucking massive when it came out. I, I remember... Like seeing it in the theaters in South Africa, it was huge. Everyone talked about it. There were toys, including like these silly string wrist shooters. I had some. Didn't fucking matter. I was almost 20. I had some. <laughs> uh, with that great power came great responsibility or irresponsibility. <laughs> Vast swaths of irresponsibility. As God intended. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I can't remember exactly which theater I saw it in. I don't know whether I saw it at home on break from school or whether I saw it in the that tiny theater in my, my boarding school town. But I absolutely saw this in theaters and everyone talked about it. And it has gone on to become one of the most memed movies on Reddit. Well, I'll, I will point <laughs> the moments out, but holy crap. So many memes. I would honestly, if I were, you know, if Jules was out today and I was giving my own alternative title, I would just call it Spider Meme. So much of it is so memeable. Spider Man was always my favorite as a kid. You know, even though I loved Batman and X Men, there was something special about him. I always had a terrible fear and fascination of spiders, and why in the Saturday morning cartoons he always seemed to jump out of the way just in time and defeat villains with some kind of type into the computer ex machina instead of using his superpowers. Um, but the web slinging through New York City was just so awesome to me as a kid. Many's the day I'd fantasize about throwing my white stuff down the skyscrapers of Concrete Canyon. Uh, don't think about that too much. <laughs> it's all I can think about now, and I'm glad I moved out of L.A. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but this movie specifically was my everything. And I think more than anything, especially with the rewatch, the secondary characters were so ludicrously good, at least at least in this first movie. I mean, it's the best Willem Dafoe ever, in my opinion. He, he was so perfectly cast. 
I swear, yeah, his voice was just made for the Green Goblin. I always wanted him to be Joker, but yeah, he's he's fucking fantastic in this. It, oh, that would be good too. Just but... imagine Willem Dafoe smiling with Joker makeup on. Holy <laughs> so fuck. So good. It's so Loving scary. Image. The, the only criticism as a kid I had was that I wanted to see more Spider-Man doing cool Spidey stuff and more J.K. Simmons being the only true J. Jonah Jameson. Jesus, no shit. Far less Tobey Maguire being whiny and making weird, scrun- <laughs> weird scrunchy faces. I don't think that guy knows how to cry on camera. <laughs> don't think him or Kirsten Dunst, who plays MJ Watson, I don't think either of them brought their A-game to this movie. Oh my God, some of the flattest performances <laughs> out of them. Oh my God. It's just because it's so, next to the sparkling performance of J.K. Simmons and Willem Dafoe, they just shrink, you know? Yeah, but the extras are amazing. Like the, look, it's Spider-Man, girl. Oh my God. So good. The, 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 the actors who have just like a single cutaway line moment are they are my world. Yeah, I think when your main cast is being outacted by ancillary and one-off characters, <laughs> uh, maybe didn't cast the right people. Like, look, I'm sure, I think Tobey Maguire's been good in other stuff, but wow, he is flat in this. Kirsten Dunst is flat in this. Franco's fairly flat. He is fairly flat. Yeah, James Franco, who plays Harry Osborn. John, do you have any do you have any stories about your your first time seeing this? Oh shit. I was so excited to see this. I was still in high school when the promo stuff was coming out like a year in advance. Like we'd seen some photos of the suit and we're like, eh, that looks weird. And then they released like, you know, with lighting and in the poses, like, that looks kind of fucking cool. All right. But it came out the next summer. So I had already graduated and had a night job. But I, you know, I had friends who were a year or two younger. So I went to Indianapolis and caught like the noon, the very first showing I could. And then I went back home, saw my friends as they were waiting in line, having gotten out of school at the local small theater. And they're like, oh, hey, come on in. We're not sure. At the line. I'm like, it's cool. I already fucking saw it. And then, so, yeah, <laughs> I saw it twice opening day. I think I saw it a total of six times in the theater. Wow. I was one of those people who would not stop talking about this movie. I was telling everybody at work, like just everyone, you've got to see this movie. It's fucking amazing. And this movie has such a crazy history. It's not the first of all, it's not the first Spider-Man movie. The first one came out in 1977 in America, it was a TV movie, but it had a theatrical release in other countries. Oh, okay. Because I was aware of the the TV show from back in the day, and there were reruns or something that I'd watched as a kid. But I didn't realize that it was probably the pilot or something was extra long. Maybe that, that was it. I think it was around that, but it was like, it was a movie. Hmm. And then it sat in development hell for decades. Because they, based off of, you know, the success of that... They wanted to make a full-on Spider-Man movie, but when Masters of the Universe flopped and there was some other like 80s movie that flopped, there was like, oh, I'm not gonna touch superhero movies. And this thing changed, you know, hands so many times. Like MGM had it, Fox had it, James Cameron did a treatment about it that was apparently was gonna involve MJ and Spider-Man doing it on the Brooklyn Bridge. He was he was like the first gritty like take on a superhero movie wow there was a um i you could basically call it a wet dream scene 
in James Cameron's treatment where Peter Parker wakes up, you know, after having gotten bitten and everything, but woke up in his bed and he's covered in, you know, his sticky white webbing. <laughs> Seriously, that was part of Cameron's treatment. He also did an X-Men treatment and wanted Bob Hoskins to be Wolverine. Think about that. <laughs> just saying. It doesn't have anything to do with this episode, just, you know, comic books and James Cameron. Well, yeah, but, but the reason why they eventually got it made is because of X-Men. X-Men did well, and they're like, oh, fuck, you can actually make a decent superhero movie like that'll be incredibly successful. Yeah, almost as if Superman and Batman never happened, huh? Imagine that. Oh, oh, the other superhero that just reminds me. Yes, Superman <laughs> four came out and flopped, and that also was like, oh, well, this whole superhero movie thing is is dead. But again, Batman came after that, and yes, of course, it eventually died as well. <laughs> we covered its coffin nail, but still, there's also an element of, and this is quite serious and a bit heartbreaking there's an element of tragedy with with this movie as well because i still remember the very first trailer that came out it was yes the bank robbery trailer yeah it was abs it was a teaser it was a bank robbery in a helicopter and they were getting away and suddenly they get stuck in a web being held together by the two towers and that was it oh my god yeah, you followed the robbers. You had no idea what it was. And then it like jerks to a stop and it pans back and the helicopter is like a fly in this giant exactly. fucking web. It was the yeah. most beautiful teaser I've ever seen. And then tread So good. And, you know, it, in the original script, it called for the battle between Spider-Man and Green Goblin to have been happening around the two towers. And they had to completely redo that as well, of course, uh, because of the tragedy of 9-11. But yeah, they, I mean, they did have to do reshoots, like you said, around that. And that's kind of what led to me kind of the cringiest moment, which is like the don't mess with New York <laughs> thing at the end. Yeah. And the big American flag. <laughs> they they definitely had to, like, compensate for 9-11. And it did spectacularly well, like pushed $800 million in 2002 holy fuck even watching this movie i still have plenty of notes and jokes and things but i like this movie i, I still like this movie it's still fun it's still so much fun i really enjoy it <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot of fun it doesn't take itself too seriously and just one final thing like it's crazy because sony still owns the rights to spider-man like we, we associate marvel with disney now but they still own it and that's why you get new Spider-Man movies every few years. Like they reboot, they kept rebooting it because they wanted to keep the rights. And and the deal is like with Spider-Man and Marvel, but then all these other characters they picked up is just theirs, which is why, you know, Venom and Morbius are the movies they are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so disappointed. Just a side. I mean, like, He's a better Venom than the Venom we got. I think it was in the third movie, the third Sam Raimi. Oh, oh, yeah, but there, there's a whole thing about why that Venom turned out the way it, it did. Anyway, but yeah, so. Venom, Venom was one of my favorite villains as a kid, and it was very disappointing that I haven't seen a good version of him yet. It is one of my favorites. So I had like a couple superhero cards, like collector's cards, and one of my favorites that I still have somewhere is a holographic carnage card carnage was another great one 
I've got a Carnage coffee mug. But he's got a coonskin cap on, I think. <laughs> it's really weird. I don't know why Carnage had a coonskin cap on. Well, the dude was nuts. <laughs> yeah, but that's nuts in like a Deadpool sort of way. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was the mullet of someone he scalped. Like, that is a Carnage crazy, you know, cap to wear. A, a crazy Carnage cap. I like well, that. anyways, we have a lot of web slinging to get to. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to start breaking down Spider Man. Go web. <laughs> Shazam. All right, it's good to be home, and Jesus Christ, what are you two doing in my house now? Hey, Jules! Hey, Jules, yeah, we're here to get first samples from Trixie for our genetic experiments. I'm gonna regret this, but what genetic experiments? Well, we're inspired by Spider-Man, where they combined the DNA of three spiders to create a super spider, and that bit Spider-Man and gave him his Spider-Man powers. Yeah, so what we're gonna do is the same thing, but with dogs. I asked, why did I ask? Yeah, so we're going to combine Trixie's athletic German Shepherd DNA with the strength of Pitbull DNA and the raw killer instincts of a dachshund. You are aware that dogs are the same species. They can naturally mate together. And I don't think that's how dachshunds work. Uh, I had dachshunds growing up, and they are bloodthirsty little fuckers. Whatever. This is absurd. You've got to stop breaking in my house. I, I just want to lie on the couch. Ah, uh, someone's just jealous. We're getting the dog DNA powers. High five. High five. You are not allowed to high five unless you know one thing about DNA. Tell me one thing about DNA. Uh... Super duper spirally. It's got like a little twist in it. Yeah, with letters on it. High five. five. Yeah. That's what I thought. Take your bottles of aftershave and your weird petri dishes and just leave me alone. All right, but I'm keeping the fur. Drop it, John. Drop it. Sad dog noises. By the way, Nick, when it's your turn to do sketches, are you always going to do ones with you guys home invading me? Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. And I did not realize this Marvel intro, like the one that you see at the beginning of like all the movies now, is this old. Like the flipping through the, the, the comic panels and it like eventually like blends into the red Marvel screen this was before they started making them a little bit more specific because this is more like comic pages flipping you you more of get shots from movies now but in like later x-men ones i believe later spider-man ones the fantastic four ones it was more the the flipping images would be from those titles interesting this is just like non-specific comic stuff like a fist saying bam or whatever <laughs> Because fists speak. Zadoink. <laughs> Shlapoopy. Splizzash. Jules, what you do in your own time is none of our business. Boff. Oh, yeah. You, you cannot neglect a good boffing. <laughs> and my note here is wholly over three minutes of opening credits, Batman. Jesus Christ. I have mixed feelings about these opening credits. Because I like the Danny Elfman music, but it's not very specific like if you heard it you weren't you're not like oh that's spider-man it's like ah tim burton's feeling heroic today (laughs) (laughs) i think tim burton was also one of the directors considered for this movie i like the font and i like the web imagery i really don't like the way the letters like kind of come in and explode away though (laughs) 
I don't like the weird Spider-Man model that pops up in the credits. Or the Green Goblin one. That one's slightly better. But 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 then the weird stylized city, that kind of looked cool. So I don't know. It was My note is CGI from the PlayStation 2 game somehow made it into the credits of this movie. <laughs> How in the hell are these images PS2 quality? <laughs> Oh, there are some PS2 quality CGI. There's some PS2 quality CGI later in the movie. I will get there, but yes, I agree in the movie. But these opening credits, I think this is in 64 cutscene. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, that's we didn't even one. hit PS1. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I, I see what you're getting at. So, some really opening voiceover tells us that this story isn't for the faint of heart. And as someone who saw this as a teenager with a very faint heart. Uh, I'm going to call bullshit. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm going to call bullshit on is that he says, like any story worth telling, it's about a girl. And not every story worth telling is about a girl. He's just neglected Shawshank Redemption and The Godfather in that opening statement. Exactly. And this movie is like sort of about a girl, but the main part is like there's so much more going on. <laughs> <laughs> to say that this movie is like exclusively or primarily about a girl, just like I don't think Spider Man watched the movie. <laughs> My thoughts on this voiceover intro was that Toby Maguire is really bad at selling the danger, and I think he might be even less threatening than Kevin Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Peter Parker's supposed to be a, like a, a kind of a dork. Yeah, but when you open it up with, you know, who am I? Are you sure you want to know? No, it's, you, you sure you want to know? My story is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> so we learned that uh, MJ, played by Kirsten Dunst, uh, he's got a massive crush on her. You know, she's in a, in a school bus and is dating Joe Manganiello. Yeah, very first film role. And he auditioned and really pushed to be Spider-Man. I mean, it's it's pretty well known. He's a pretty big nerd, actually, anyway. Um, but he really wanted to be Spider-Man, and apparently part of the reason he was told no, I mean, he hadn't really had much film experience, but also his physique was too good. He's got too much of that classic hero look to him to be dorky Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a big football player. And yeah, he's a, like he's one of like the main... First of all, he's married to Sofia Vergara. He eventually gets married to Sofia Vergara. And he's such a nerd that he is one of the celebrities who's known for playing Dungeons and Dragons. So it's so weird seeing him play like a jock bully and you know so the vo's opining over over mj and then you know we we go over to he's his character's name flash i'm just going to call him flash because that his last name's hard to say so he looks over flash like oh heck i'd even take him and uh peter parker is bisexual confirmed that is that is now canon (laughs) this is apparently the first donut this guy has ever eaten because he doesn't realize that he spilled jam all over his pants as he bites into it really hard yeah who the fuck bites into a jelly donut with the the hole to the side so that it squirts out come on exactly I mean, boy, will his crotch and face be red. <laughs> hey, but I think that's, I mean. That was a bad joke. <laughs> I, I kind of liked it, to be honest. But um, it's Sam Raimi, so I kind of think it's intentional. Where Peter's like, man, I'd even be that guy. The guy who doesn't know how to eat a fucking jelly donut properly <laughs> is a step up in the social hierarchy. 
<laughs> so Peter Parker's running after the bus and like everyone's just like loving watching him run after the bus. Even the fucking driver is just like oh, this fucking kid. <laughs> yeah. Movie accurately depicts teenagers is my note here. <sighs> fucking worst. And we'll we'll see in, in just a brief second when they finally stop that, you know, even the dorks on the bus don't want him to sit with him. <laughs> he, there's a very Forrest Gump moment. But I noticed it, it never clicked with me before that the driver is also a massive dork. Who is the driver? Well, it doesn't matter who he is. Did you get a load of his life preserver? Dork thinks he's going to drown. What life preserver? <laughs> what? I clearly was not paying attention. To- Jules, Jules got it. He's got. He's basically got a Marty McFly vest on. It's a back to the Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. <laughs> I think it's important that the bus only stops because MJ insists that the bus stop. Yeah, seriously. One of the students has to tell the driver to do his fucking job. On the other hand, I grew up in a place that if you weren't at the bus stop, you weren't getting picked up. So Yeah, he was late. He admits to getting being late when he gets on eventually. But apparently he's been chasing them for blocks. <laughs> like He's been chasing us since whatever street. I don't know how far away that was, but it was far enough away to mention the street name. <laughs> so cut to Columbia University. Uh, the class is there on a field trip to go visit the university's science department. And this teacher is already over these kids' shit. Like, he's had enough of their shit. <laughs> I actually really like the teacher's performance. I love his performance and how over these kids shit he is, but how is he the youngest looking person out of the entire class? Well, he's he's definitely shorter. <laughs> he seems like the I know, but guy he there. just looks younger. I looked this guy up to try and figure it out, but it, he has a total of 6 credits. Wow. Yeah, this is like the second to last thing he ever did. Well, that's a shame. I thought he did very well. We're not going to have another incident like we did at the fucking planetarium. Y'all just like keep your shit together. I really want to know what happened at that planetarium. <laughs> planetarium. Yes. Sorry. The planetarium. Obligatory South Park reference. Peter Parker thinks that like MJ's waving to him, but she's waving to her her girls behind him. Uh, these friends who will never like be characterized or like they'll show up once or twice and then uh, that's it. Yeah. Just more of hammering home the point of he's. Yeah, the outcast. Yeah, the James Franco rolls up in a Rolls Royce with uh, his father, Willem Dafoe. And it turns out that James Franco has just been chucked out of every private school Willem Dafoe sent him to. So that's why he's going to public school and he's very embarrassed that he's rolling up in a Rolls. Yeah, the the line that uh, Willem Dafoe has is, don't be ashamed of who you are. And my note is, I'm constantly ashamed of who I am. And look at me now. I'm doing a podcast with my friends and earning nothing from it. So you see, <laughs> I forget what point I was trying to make. <laughs> you should have listened to Willem Dafoe. That's right. I love that this conversation between them inside the car takes place outside of time. And how do you figure that? Because after the little MJ wave thing, Peter's walking across the street where the little drive lane is right as the rolls pulls up. And then they have this minute or so conversation and he's still just on the other side of the car when Harry gets out to catch up to him. It's not like Peter's waiting for him. Also, how long ago did Harry get thrown out of these private schools? Because there's been enough time for him and Peter to become friends somehow? I mean, when you are that outcast like Peter Parker, I think you'll latch on to anybody. I mean, they don't really establish much friendship between these two, aside from just 
conversation. No, I get that Peter's definitely the sort that would glom onto somebody, but I don't get why Harry. I, I don't get why Harry would have, or how they would have had enough time in this. In this adaptation, who knows? But the movie, the movie's letting us know that they're buddies. James Franco gets out of the car. And Willem Dafoe runs to give James Franco his backpack, and this backpack is brought to you by Jansport, definitely a sponsor of this movie, as we'll see later at Times Square. And he meets Peter Parker, and he finds out that Peter is into science, and, you know, he's something of a meme himself. I mean, he's a, a, a bit of a scientist himself. That he is. <laughs> you stole my note. It was, you know, I'm something of a meme maker myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my note was just, and this goes for pretty much the whole movie, but clunky exposition is clunky. It is very clunky. You know, he's very impressed that Peter wrote a paper on his nanotechnology research. You know, he's, he likes the cut of this kid's jib. And your parents must be proud. Oh, but let me fill you in on my living situation. But my aunt and uncle are proud, sir. Yes. <laughs> Just like So inside, we're at a weirdly round science lab. Apparently this was filmed in the... <laughs> I don't know who, how many labs are round, but this one's round. Apparently, it was this was filmed in the L.A. Natural History Museum. It did look like a museum as opposed to an actual lab. Yeah. And apparently, it has the biggest electron microscope on the eastern seaboard. Uh, so, as we know from Godzilla, they mean off the coast of New England. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think there's one hovering off the coast of New England. <laughs> It's it's right next to where the sub pen is for the genetic research on sharks. You know they need to. That's off of Baja. Come on, man. That's that's, that's <laughs> a whole other area. And they're on the eastern seaboard, not off of it. Oh no no no! That was just the eastern sea. Shit. Never mind. <laughs> I stand by my Baja California comment. So a scientist lady shows off three species of spiders that conveniently have all the powers that Spider Man's gonna have later. One has really strong webbing. Other one's really good at jumping. The other one has like a a spider sense, as she will literally <laughs> refer to it as. Clunky as exposition like, is clunky. <laughs> I know it's clunky, but I kind of smiled. Because I got excited about Spider-Man. Oh, no. I, again, it's... I mean, god damn it. I keep saying this, but it's Sam Raimi. It's That's what he's good at. Sort of campy, you know. He can get scary, but it's... it. The whole movie just sort of has this quality to it. A bit of it's a bit cheesy, a bit campy, but there's also, you know, some heart to it. But, but I do have to bring up the fact that John Malcolm really belongs here. Because, you know, they've decided to genetically combine these spiders together and um, they spent so much time thinking about whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should i was wondering what kind of malcolm reference you were going to make because now it, they are genetically modified spires as opposed to the original radioactive because again exactly. genetic power has usurped nuclear power as the greatest force it's, on the it's planet the most yeah. powerful force that mankind has ever known it's it's ludicrous. I mean, come on. Nuclear power had <laughs> 50 years, you know, but by the time we got to Jurassic Park, it's time for a new king. But the thing is, is that they dropped a nuclear warhead, nuclear power plants had fallout. There was reason behind it. There's never been a genetic leak or a genetic bomb. 
but new science equals magic. Yes, and this magic means that they have spliced these three spiders together to make a super spider. Why did they want to make a super spider? Well, go fuck yourself, audience. They're not going to explain that. I I really feel like they picked these specific traits just so it would have a red and blue body. That's the way the genetics lined up, and they're like, we can make designer spiders. You can have a whole collection of different patterns, and <laughs> they're like little Pokemon. You gotta you gotta catch them all. Yeah, uh, especially when the researchers are conveniently working on that one, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. They notice one of the spiders. MJ points out one of the spiders is missing. There's only fourteen spiders. There's supposed to be fifteen, and she's the the scientist lady. Just yeah, they're probably working on that. I'm not gonna worry about this spider that probably cost like a million dollars to make (laughs) (laughs) not gonna look into that (laughs) the most expensive meat in the world is a genetically cloned meat that's why they're trying to solve world hunger by cloning by cloning meat and it's the most expensive meat you can produce in the world so these spiders are pricey. Yeah, but no one's growing spiders for meat. What what is the point of this tangent? Uh, have you seen eight legged freaks? You can you can make some meat out of those spiders. I'm talking about these spiders. Though. You don't know if they're not growing them for meat. We don't have a reason. Peter Parker's, of course, throughout this getting bullied. She tries to like tell James Franco some similar like it was like spider facts. And James Franco's like, yeah, 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 whatever. But then he uses Again, why are they friends? But if they are not friends. <laughs> Companions of convenience. And Harry's glommed on to him. And so, but when he sees MJ just kind of looking at the spiders, he goes up and uses the very facts he dismissed from Peter to try and hit on MJ. Well, when he found out that MJ's into spiders, yeah. This is the first time of many times where he will be a terrible friend yes and then you know as as the class kind of moves on peter parker asks mj if he can take some pictures of her for the school newspaper my question to you guys is does mj not know how to look at a camera i don't know because she's so good at not knowing what to do (laughs) no because here's the thing the way they filmed this fucking moment, like, you know, because like, we're looking through the camera, and normally if you're taking a photo, she should be looking directly at us. She's looking just off camera where yes! Peter is. So they, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Which is great because they did follow through on the MJ actress storyline, but another thing is that she's a model. And so the fact that she doesn't know how to pose for photos in this is just amazing. <laughs> it's also kind of the beginning of. Peter's stalking behavior, right? If by beginning you mean the first we see of it, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we as we will learn through this movie, uh, Peter is, he's kind of a creep. He's kind of a fucking... I mean, the monotonous opening monologue even had the girl I was in love with before I even liked girls. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, anyways, during this uh, little impromptu photo shoot, uh, the super spider, which has made a, a little web on the ceiling, decides that Peter looks tasty. So he, it comes down and takes a chomp in his hand. Yeah, spider is weirdly after some tasty meat for some reason. And then Peter Parker gets called by a teacher. There's a really handy animation on a flat screen that lets us know that uh, genetics will be... Mutating. Thinking machine supercomputer. <laughs> no. Yes, Mr. DNA should have come out and been like. <laughs> There's some weird fucked up thing and he just has frog powers now. <laughs> Who am I? 
I'm Frogman. Oh my god, there is absolutely a comic where Spider-Man gets his ass kicked by a frog-themed supervillain and he doesn't even have powers. He just has a weird suit with springs on his shoes. <laughs> I also kind of enjoy the fact that this movie thinks that by merging the DNA of these spiders together and combining all their characteristics, that the Venom, instead of being more lethal and probably killing Peter, is actually going to change his DNA and give him superpowers. You know, just like radiation would actually melt you. And... I was about to say, yeah, just like, you know, the original story where an irradiated <laughs> spider b- bites him and four months later, Peter dies of cancer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a fucked up Spider-Man storyline where MJ died because they had sex too many times and his radioactive sperm gave her cancer. Fact. Jesus Damn. Christ. Man, I was making spider jizz jokes, but now, now that just seems... Well, I'm going to still make I it. I had to find a way to end it, but no, that really did happen in a story. But what's crazy also is that, like, he knows about spiders. He saw the spider, the crazy-looking spider, go underneath. He probably saw the other super spiders. So he didn't... It didn't fucking occur to, to go up to one of the scientists and be like, hey, I think one of your fuck That spider that's missing just bit me. I like the notion that he did, but we've established his social invisibility. <laughs> and so the scientists working on top of the line genetic modifications are like fuck off nerd (laughs) what are you gonna do sue me (laughs) well now we're at oscorp which is william willem defoe's company and we see what's eventually going to be the green goblin glider being tested by a dude in the green suit so those are like components that go together this is the beginning of people alternating between calling willem defoe Mr. Osborne and Dr. Osborne. You know, I'm something of a Mr. Myself. (laughs) I'm something of a doctor myself. Imagine what we could accomplish together. (laughs) Or we could destroy! (laughs) (laughs) But um, have you guys seen the behind the scenes for the the test Green Goblin looks? Because they had a prosthetic slash animatronic like mask to make it more comic accurate. Huh. Oh, it was oh, it's creepy as fuck. It would have been amazing. Anyway, I don't know why they went with that helmet. We will get to the helmet. All right, fine. Probably softening the blow. Sometimes they they want to make it more kid friendly, but still creepy. I I think they just wanted it to be more of like um because this is stuff that's being developed for military application, that sort of thing. So it wouldn't make sense to have it more like a Halloween suit. I still don't get the design of the fucking helmet, though, if it's supposed to be a military thing. I get the suit. I get the the kind of like over top of the head goggle. Um, yeah, kind of goggles, glasses, which were weirdly a thing for a short period of time. There were sunglasses for like extreme sports or whatever that were made that way instead of going along the side over your ears. They literally went over the top of your head. Well, anyways, there's a group of generals there. The general doesn't care for this glider. He's seen the glider. He wants to know about the performance-enhancing drugs. (laughs) And William Defoe's like, cool, yeah, we're ready for human trials. Like, you know, worked really well in the test. And uh, scientist Buzzkill comes and says, no, 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 no. We, we, there, there were some issues with the, the, the rats, and we need to go back to form. They won't flows like, what the fuck, dude? Shut the fuck up. I'm trying to make a sale here, asshole. The, the scientist says the side effects are violence, aggression, and insanity. Yes. And in defense of these performance enhancers, those are the same side effects of eating too much sugar. 
I mean, or just the meth <laughs> that we used to give soldiers back in the day. <laughs> My question was, how do you measure insanity in rodents? Yeah. <laughs> I keep trying to get it to eat the cheese, but it writes a novel instead. It... So anyways, the general tells Willem Dafoe that, look, I'm going to go see an exoskeleton from your competitor in two weeks, and if you haven't done a successful trial by then, I'm taking your funding and I'm giving it to them. This guy clearly doesn't know how the fuck science works at all, because you can't do- like, Yeah, is that how funding works? <laughs> Also, that's not how human trials work, or tr any trials. Like, you need months of testing and, like, double-blind... That's not how any of this works. There is one member of the board of directors here. It's the guy with the white hair and mustache. And before we got to J.K. Simmons, I thought Jameson was also on the Oscorp board of directors. Because that has happened in other media before. And this guy... He looks like he could have been a good Jameson. There is only one Jameson. No, no, you can't beat Simmons. But this guy could have done a good job. So cut to Uncle Ben changing a light bulb because he's an electrician. No, it's because he can't afford an electrician. <laughs> well, he was an electrician. Uh, the, the plant he worked at laid him off, and he's, he's worried about finding another job as an electrician. Fucking what? There's like always a shortage of electricians. You you you've already had nine job offers at this point. I, I had a I had a couple of notes for this conversation. Is one is that Uncle Ben is forced into retirement. I'm sure nothing bad will happen to him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the second one is that uh, when he's when he drops the line, even the computers need analysts these days. That's a very antiquated approach to mental health, isn't it? <laughs> but it is also such a great line. I love it. Yeah, because he's like looking for a job. He's like, well, I might as well look for a job now. I'm going to get out the newspaper and everything's got to do with computers. Computer programmer, computer networker, computer analyst. And he's like, yeah, that's where you get the, the even the computers need analysts these days. And that's when Peter walks in and goes right to bed because he's not feeling well. Uh, doesn't try to get help for the potentially poisonous spider, as we were mentioning <laughs> earlier. Just acts like every dude in the early 2000s and up. Just got to tough it out and be a man and go die alone in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, I'm not feeling well. Everything's fine. See you later. That's yeah. No. Uh, like as he goes up, Aunt May, uh, who's there and who's been kind of chatting with Uncle Ben's like, well, don't you want to have a bite? And he's like, I've already had a bite because because uh, the spider bit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you got bite in his hand. Yeah, witty. So Peter goes to his room. His vision isn't straight. Uh, lies down on the floor and pulls a blanket over him. And God, I thought we were done with VO flashbacks after Mission Impossible, but no, they are back with a motherfucking vengeance. In case you weren't paying attention to the previous scene, <laughs> we hear the scientist later like, we combined the, the spider's DNA and made 15 super spiders and then hallucinate scary spider stuff as his DNA gets altered. Oh, yeah. Again, it's weird and cheesy, but also like, there's skulls? Yeah, there's fucking skulls. Just like lightning skull? Or those skulls with flashes of lightning. Sorry. A lightning skull would be really fucking badass. But then the bit of DNA that like attaches it to Peter's is the red and blue Spider-Man colors like the spider itself was. It's so weird and yet so effective. 
it's bananas, but in a good way. Back at Oscorp, uh, Willem Dafoe has decided to take the uh, the performance enhancers, test them on himself. Buzzkill scientist is with him and being like, no, no, let me set up a hu- trial. You know, I'll get a proper volunteer at a team and like, we'll have it ready in two weeks. Like, we don't we don't have time for two weeks. There's no time. There's no time. <laughs> there is no time. It's going to take way too long to do that. They only have two weeks before they're uh, apparently the entire corporation is funded by this military contract. Yeah, this military contract for, like, this one product development. Like, do you not produce anything and sell it? Maybe their company is, like, all military contracts, and for some reason there's a clause that everything goes with this? I don't know. It's weird. Well, the point is they don't have time. They don't even have time to warm up the the steel bars that go over his chest because he goes, ooh, cold. (laughs) No, they don't, and I've always loved that line. (laughs) <laughs> like good. he seems surprised by that fact. It's like it was genuinely cold, and that was just Willem Dafoe being like, "Oh fuck, cold." <laughs> yeah, I think so. But also, Buzzkill Scientist is really not good at his job. Willem Dafoe, as he's undressing and getting himself ready, he asks for this chemical promo chloro whatever, and the dude has to ask him why. Like, what's that for? Have you not been part of these tests thus far? Do you not know what fluids and chemicals you need to run this experiment? God damn it, Buzzkill Scientist. Also, Willem Dafoe shows a complete disregard for laboratory safety by (laughs) casually breaking the glass bottle on the floor. That is a hazard, Willem. It is a reoccurring theme, actually, in the trilogy of movies, because right after I watched this movie, I watched the others, and they love to smash their drink glasses. There's even a moment with Doc Ock in the second movie where Harry is drinking and Doc Ock climbs the building, knocks him over, his drink falls, Doc Ock catches it with one of his arms, finishes the drink, and then smashes it. It's like constantly, <laughs> you'll notice just little moments where they just really enjoy their drink smashing. I just thought that Willem Dafoe was a Viking berserker asking for another round. <laughs> <laughs> and this elaborate gurney system that he gets strapped into is the most pointless fucking thing ever. (laughs) He gets strapped into it. It goes horizontal. It gets put through this like very narrow port. He goes like, yeah, like the dog door. (laughs) <laughs> the dog door. Then he gets lifted up in the gas chamber. They close him up. They gas him. And then after he has his fucking heart attack from the gas, Buzzkill Scientist just goes through the side door. <laughs> yes, there is no reason for this body delivery mechanism. When you it's, can just walk in. Just have the thing in the gas chamber, walk in, get strapped upright already, and then have the person walk out the side door. Like, Jesus. Also, these restraints are shit because there's way too much space. When, when he's having his seizure, the part around his head is so loose, you could just crack your skull open shaking around in that thing. It does not, it, there's no uh, stability involved there's some very bad sciencing <laughs> i know we're talking about like a super soldier enhancement drug in a gas chamber but yeah lab safety people lab safety but again we know that this restraint thing that willem dafoe is on can change its angle 
Which is why you have to leave it standing up to perform your, you know, chest compressions. Buzzkill side just comes in and, as you said, <laughs> performs chest compressions sideways, not, you know, up and down. Vertical like you're CPR. To. Vertical <laughs> CPR. <laughs> Willow Defoe wakes up and he grabs the sign. And he's like, back to formula, huh? Chucks him through the glass. And then, I mean, we learn he kills him. He jumps out of the gas chamber, adopts the the green goblin squat pose for reasons. Very good, very good. I loved it. I'm sorry. Oh, I oh it's, yes, it's fantastic. Ooh. There is so much of this movie that's just for reasons, but it's like, here he comes. So Peter wakes up and realizes that he doesn't need his glasses anymore, and uh, he looks in the mirror, and in fact, he is toned as fuck. Don't you love it when you have a fever dream and you wake up ripped like a motherfucker? Ah, uh, it's the best. Nothing gets you swole like the flute. <laughs> Genetically modified steroids. Warning. Side effects include violence, aggression, and insanity. <laughs> so Ant-May comes up and asks him how he's feeling, and he's fine. He's like, you know, any changes? And he looks down at his dick, and he's like, yep, big changes. So spiders have big dicks confirmed. Oh, I had this 30-year-old high schooler finally got his pubes. <laughs> 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 Everyone who's supposed to be in high school in this, I mean, it's the movie thing where they're in their 20s, but I had to start looking up birth dates. They're younger than I thought they were in this. 25, 26 max. But that looks like the minimum age for everybody. <laughs> Kirsten Dunst turned 20 the year it came out, so she was very much right there. I thought I saw gray hair or two in Toby Maguire's hair at some point. In his, in his maybe that's just me. That's his, his pews, that's, his, yes. that's his that's his webbing. Well, anyways, uh, he sees MJ through the window because she's she's his next door neighbor. And uh, does he not change out of the underwear he wore the day before and sweated in all night? Because it just looks like he puts on his shirt and leaves. That's gross. That's gross, Peter. Dude, you can't lose your spider juices. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Got to stew in your own spider juices. That's right. That includes sweat. So he rushes down the stairs, does a matrix run on the wall, and just doesn't get yelled at by Uncle Ben and Aunt May. Like, I would be fucking killed if I did that as a kid. I always loved this little thing, and I have... If I ever tried to go downstairs like that, I would absolutely need someone, you know, standing ready with... Oh one one eight nine 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 nine. Uh, little IT crowd reference for you. Three. So, despite not having eaten the night before, he leaves for school without breakfast. I'd be fucking starving at this point, especially like if your dick got big and you got ripped. I'd be like, "Yo, I need some pancakes. I need some sausage. I need some fucking breakfast, man." But nope, he does not. His newfound spider girth sustains him. <laughs> And so Uncle Ben reminds him that they know they're going to be painting the kitchen that night and calls him Michelangelo for reasons. This is a running gag. Painting. Because paint. Yeah. Because they're painting a room. Apparently a really nasty, almost olive green color when we finally get back. Yeah, it's a pretty ugly, it's a pretty ugly color. So outside the front door, uh, sees MJ leaving her house, uh, followed by my minute, my inner monologue calling her trash. I didn't realize my inner monologue was was in this movie. 
Wow. Sorry, I mean her dad. Her dad. That's a bit harsh. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 very hard on myself. I need to to work on that. Um, oh, I thought you meant internally you were calling Mary Jane trash. No, 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 no. My internal monologue with myself is just me calling oh, myself. You yeah. want to clarify that. You came across as really douchey. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Jules, success. Nick doesn't uh know about that chip we put in his head yet. So. <laughs> Hold on. I gotta I gotta do something on um on an app real quick. All right, yeah, we should be fine. Oh Nick, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> shit, I think I just broke my phone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's her dad calling her trash. He just kind of creepily lurks in the distance as he follows her. And recites what he'd like to say to her. So this is his daily routine. Because clearly it's why he's always missing the bus. Yeah, because he can't be next to Mary Jane. Her friends pull up in a convertible and she gets it and they drive away. And I'm sorry, who the fucking public school in New York City can afford a goddamn convertible? The parking alone would be insanely expensive. Clearly people who live in Queens? That's where an African prince would need to go to find a bride anyway, at least. So, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, only if he was coming to America. As a teenager, MJ does seem a little like a gold digger. But then teenagers are all assholes. So. Teenagers are all assholes. Um, my note here is, get in, loser. We're going shopping. Well, that's because you're trash. So, <laughs> <laughs> And so once again, the bus just drives right past him. And uh, this time he's fast enough to keep up with the bus. And he slaps his hand on the banner that's on the side of it, and he just tears it off, and it's stuck to his hand, and he's very confused. So at Willem Dafoe's fancy pet house, penthouse, sorry, not his fancy pet house, uh, James Franco finds him passed out on the floor. Willem Dafoe lives in an elaborate cat tree. (laughs) (laughs) James Franco's spies him where he's like curled up kind of in one of the tubes but where like some of the sunlight from the window can still get in (laughs) so yeah he he comes in and apparently psycho willem dafoe despite the fact he was shirtless in the lab put a shirt and a tie on just before passing out just got got regular willem dafoe dressed cover his ass on his way home yeah exactly you can't just but the tie is what gets me. He puts on a fucking tie. So a woman comes in and calls him Mr. Osborne. And this is where we learn that back to formula um, buzzkill scientist is dead and that the glider and the flight suit are gone. And my question to you guys here is, are there no security cameras in a giant expensive lab that designs things for the military? Security camera? <laughs> yes, security cameras. <laughs> Which CIA headquarters in Langley doesn't even fucking have security cameras, so how do you expect a corporation to? You're right, you're right. What was I even thinking? (laughs) Something illogical, no doubt. Well, in the high school cafeteria, uh, Peter's having lunch, and uh, MJ walks right by him. Well, she's about to walk right by him and not notice him, but she slips on a puddle of grossness, and he catches her with one arm, grabs her, catches her tray in his one hand, and he, like, moves it around really, really fast to to catch all her food, and it just kind of neatly plonks back on her tray. Actually done. There were people out of frame that dropped it at the right time, and I I don't remember how many takes it took, but they put adhesive on the bottom of the items and literally dropped them, and he caught them all on the tray, including the bowl of Jello that lands on top of the milk carton and wobbles for a bit. Wow. He actually caught all of that shit falling onto the tray. 
I love that. I, I, that's another job, though, I want on a set. You know, we had we had the spider guy before for Leprechaun. I want to be the food dropper. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those little things that, you know, you just CG in nowadays. From his low-budget roots, he still does all these kind of little tricks. And it's like, no, we're going to do this, and we're going to get it right. Love it. Fucking love it. So she notices that he's not wearing his glasses, but he's like too nervous to say anything. He's like, well, I'm a girl. Um, and so she leaves and he notices that a fork is like sticking to his hand. He's like, oh, the fuck's going on here? And he pulls the fork and it's attached to a web. So he came on the fork. He has an involuntary wrist ejaculation because a web just splooges across the cafeteria latches onto a tray and he yoinks it and it hits flash behind him and then he goes and takes the tray for a walk uh hadn't been outside in a while <laughs> he leaves with it everyone sees this nobody's like i'm sorry is there yes. is there a fucking web on his wrist is is peter parker a spider-man i assume they thought it was a prank who is ever gonna think of that to be honest, it's just like there is weird ass Parker doing some weird ass thing with a fucking tray and some string or whatever the hell that is. What a goddamn dork. So Flash did not appreciate getting food splattered on the back of his head. So he follows Peter out into the hallway. Peter's spidey sense tingles. And we get this really interesting shot where we're like zooming through the hall. Like he hears paper airplanes getting thrown and a fly buzzing. Like these effects really hold up. I actually really enjoyed this. Yeah. This was a good depiction of the Spidey sense. I was curious how you guys would feel about the effects, because I, once again, watched on my DVD copy. So, not the best quality, but there's plenty of stuff that, even by your fifth theatrical viewing, there's shit that wasn't holding up then. But yeah, this this section, definitely. His Spidey sense also helps him avoid getting punched in the back of the head, because... That's what it's there for. And so Flash punches it and dents the fuck out of this locker it's really not that hard to do to be honest and doesn't feel any of it on his hand no that would hurt i'm sorry i don't care how hard flash is all right well we're gonna go to a local school and we're gonna start punching lockers just three adult men punching lockers <laughs> see how it turns out the hardest part about this is going to be deciding our montage music let's be honest <laughs> stop trying to lure me to schools next I hate school. Uh, so he dodges a flurry of blows while a crowd forms around them. And uh, he does a limbo. And then at some point, like, he dodges a punch and he looks up and down Flash's arm in slow-mo, which is also a really cool effect. And at some point, his Flash's shitty bro bud, like, tries to attack from behind. Peter backflips over him and the bud is just like... He does a standing kind of hover double back somersault? It's wild. Gravity has a toggle switch in this movie. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's very true. The guy who like tried to attack Peter from behind just takes one look at Flash. He's like, yo, dude, he's all yours. I'm not fucking with this. Smartest character in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he just... Nope. I tried my best, and my best wasn't good enough. I'm not getting <laughs> fucked up by this weirdo. And so he eventually starts blocking Flash. Like Now there's actual physical contact being made, and then at some point just crushes his wrist and punches him down the hole. And then Flash crashes into a teacher carrying food in the hallway for reasons, and it just he gets splattered. He gets bukkake with food. I was gonna give you shit for saying that he got bukkake, but the teacher does have like coleslaw and chocolate pudding at the same time, and they definitely got mixed together on Flash's face. So yeah, don't make that face, Jules. I'm not the one who put it in a movie. 
Well, I didn't put it in this movie. But, you know. <laughs> well, anyway, so James Franco saw this and he's really impressed. He tells Peter he's amazing because, you know, he's the amazing Spider-Man. He gets called a freak and it's like, what the fuck is he supposed to do? Get the shit kicked out of him? Fuck all y'all. And MJ is also seemingly unimpressed that Peter punched Flash. I mean, they're he's she's dating him. So obviously, like, I think if he just punched him knocked him down maybe knocked him for a loop a little it'd be fine but he punched him down a hallway flash's chest is definitely caved in at this point i mean jesus (laughs) at the very least he does not have a sternum anymore no shit it got shoved through his spine So Peter runs away because, holy shit, that freaked him out even. And he decides that the best way to, the best place, rather, to think on what just happened is a random alleyway. He kind of ducks into a random alley. Uh, and then he looks at his hand and he sees like these little barb things coming out of his fingers and stuff. And my note here is he might not want to jerk off for a while until you learn how to control those. Just my advice. He can already risk jizz, so... <laughs> I love the barb thing. The only problem is that if it is through these barbs that stick out of his fingers, how do his feet stay attached to this wall? That is a fantastic question. Through shoes! Very thick shoes. Or after the wrestling match when he's got his big thick gloves on. (laughs) There's no inconsistent logic to this. But yeah, he sees a spider in a web that's in a ring of razor wire. He gets it. He's like, oh shit, I got bit by that crazy spider. I must have spider powers. And so he climbs up the the wall and he's like digging the fact that he can climb up the wall. The simple practice of rotating the camera. It's so fucking effective in these shots. And so cut to him running along, you know, rooftops and holy fuck, late 90s, early 2000s, human 3D modeling is goddamn nightmare fuel. Just Remember, this was like the time of Polar Express and all that kind of shit. I don't think they knew how to land. Yeah. I mean, the Matrix came out before this, so they had a blueprint to work from. Yeah, but Matrix was people on wires. This is computer-modeled people, and the gravity does not function well. (laughs) The rooftop jumps. Later on, when he's using like parade balloons as trampolines, the, the gravity's just weird. It's just floaty. Yeah, we did not have this shit figured out back in 2001, 2002. Yeah, he eventually stops at a rooftop and like across the way he sees a crane. Oh, this is a fun moment. He tries to figure out how to like do mm-hmm. the wrist jizz on purpose. And DC Comics exist in this world? Not the only time DC Comics exists in this world. But yeah, he's like tries different hand gestures, activation phrases, including Shazam. And up, up and away for <laughs> Superman. Go web. Yeah, you can't forget go web go. And he throws up the horns. <laughs> yeah. Gives a little waggle. We did that so <laughs> fucking much after this movie came out. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> if, awesome. if anything was awesome, you just go web go and throw the horns up. <laughs> you gotta do the little shake. I'm just lightly disappointed that he didn't say go go gadget web. Go go riches webbing. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Jules, for the musical accompaniment. <laughs> and so eventually he manages to splooge of his own accord. It's kind of like the silly string we, toy we were talking about. He shoots like little little spurts of it and then eventually he gets one to latch onto the crane. Yeah, and this is the well, might as well for his first <laughs> test ever on what this stuff is, how strong it is, you know, anything. It's 
May as well jump off this building, I suppose. <laughs> Had a fight at school. My life is over. I mean, teenagers are morons, though. They are morons, and they do ridiculous shit. This is true. So he swings on the web, slams into a wall, like across a street, by the way. A well-populated street. My note here is everyone saw this. Everyone saw this. And uh, Spider-Man died. <laughs> yeah, he just splashed. Yeah, you can't neglect the fact that this crane was definitely far enough away that he was just hitting the street. <laughs> There's no way he swung across the street onto that other building. Because he's still at like the low point of the swing when he hits that wall. Yeah, it only makes sense if he shot another one and then had the web attached to the building. And then he, you know, but he, had, he hasn't learned how to do that yet. That night, Peter comes home, sees that he completely missed painting the kitchen. Uh, a note addressed to Michelangelo lets him know that there's food in the oven. So that means Peter gets no goddamn meatloaf. That is for Michelangelo. We ran out of pizza. You know, Raph and Leonardo and Donatello ate all the rest of it. But yeah. <laughs> Ninja Turtle Spider-Man crossover. It's just going to be another meal that Peter won't eat. <laughs> Does he just photosynthesize? <laughs> Here's MJ getting berated by her dad next door. Uh, takes out the trash out back uh, just as she's walking out into her back. I don't want to call it a yard because these are like the concrete slab that is behind your house that certain New York houses have. <laughs> Realizes that Peter could hear the yelling the whole time. And they start talking about what they're going to do after school. You know, they both want to move into the city. He wants to work as a photographer so he can go to college. And she's kind of got this dumb little dream. She wants to be a Broadway actor. And this is where we get more of the fucking stalking. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, your performance is Cinderella in first grade. I, you know, I cried. Yeah, but she's the one who points out that it was first grade. Yes. I do kind of want to point out. The, the cliche dream of wanting to go and be an actor, I find it a little irritating. It, it feels like Hollywood jerking off, which I know this movie has plenty of already. But It's a great dream to go off and be an actor and earn but no money. But she wants to be a Broadway actor. That's what she wants. She doesn't want to be a film actor. So it, it's one step removed, but I, I, I get what you're saying. So it looks like they're really making a connection here, but then Flash shows up in his his fucking convertible because all these goddamn public school kids in Queens have convertibles, and she, you know, goes off and drives away with him. So now Peter's like, well, I gotta get myself a fucking fancy-ass convertible, get MJ. And, but while he's flipping through the, the classifieds, because they're, you know, expensive, they're several thousand dollars each, even used, he sees that, uh, oh, you if you go do some wrestling... You can get $3,000 for three minutes. He's like, yo, I can do that. I just love that while he's flipping through this paper to buy cars, one of them that costs $15,000 has the amazing features like an AM FM cassette player. My God. <laughs> I know. The pinnacle of technology in 2002. A cassette player. <laughs> My mother's 92 Camry had a fucking cassette player. This is bullshit. <laughs> it's like, yes, CDs were definitely a widespread thing at this point. Come on. But colorful characters are a must for this wrestling tournament. So you got to have a nice design montage, you know, flipping through different designs and symbols and MJ at a fucking convertible driving towards us. And then we get web montage brought to you by Dr. Pepper. <laughs> And we also see a super spider walking across the screen because fuck you, why not? This always made sense because he's, he's coming up with ideas and you, you're wadding up the paper balls and everything. And then it's like he remembered the scurrying spider and that's how he got his color scheme. But then he eventually designs the classic Spider-Man outfit and he will not wear this to the fight. 
He's just designed it now, and he'll get around to making it later. I really wanted to see the how he wound up making this suit. Not the one he wears in the fight, but the official Spider-Man suit. Yeah, I figured. It's it's like, yeah, where did you get all that lycra? And what did you use for the, the eyes? Like, where did you get that material? Yeah, seriously. This is something that other movies have covered. So, oh well. Yeah, it's almost like you would need at the very at the very least need a Hollywood costume department to put that together for you. Going through the sketch montage, uh, it was just one of the notes was not enough color, and my note was Hollywood's failed approach to diversity somehow ended up in the color. <laughs> <laughs> you had the teacher, and scientist lady was Asian. It's like, yeah, so that counts as diversity. I don't, see what the, I don't see what your issue is. Yeah, collective screen time of 60 seconds at this point. So now this jizzing web all over your room scene is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yes, it is. There is no hiding what this is. It is literally masturbation. White stuff all over a teenager's room. It, yeah, it's just a teenage boy's room. Yeah. No subtext. Don't read anything into it. <laughs> So why does he yoink the lamp? Like, you know, yeah, you can yoink the can, you can reset it, whatever, but then he yoinks the lamp, smashes it against the wall. I get the idea of yoinking it. I don't get the dodging out of the way part. Catch it. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, that's what he's practicing. That's what he's doing with the other stuff. So Aunt May comes up to see if he's all right and, you know, kind of cracks the door open and he's like, tells her not to come in because he's not dressed. He's wearing a fucking t-shirt. She can absolutely see that he is dressed. She can see that he's wearing a t-shirt and then there's white stringy stuff all over the room. Don't come in. I'm not dressed. If you hadn't got the point yet, I don't know what else to say. Get out of my room, Ma. Gaw. Gaw. Jerking off. Freaking knock. Oh. It was a spooky ghost. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just idiocracy. Not now, I'm baiting. <laughs> uh, so cut to Willem Dafoe reading the Daily Bugle that's predicting his demise. And uh, he hears cackling coming from the upstairs hallway. Ooh, spooky. What could that be? So now Peter's about to head out to the library. He's like walking out and Uncle Bill's like, hey, yo, yo, I'll give you a ride. And he's like, oh, I don't need a ride. <laughs> Seriously. You're not my real dad. No, no, that's after he gets the ride. <laughs> it's literally a you're not my dad moment. <laughs> Yeah, so Uncle Ben like drives him to the New York Central Library, which, by the way, beautiful building. If you've ever been on the inside, beautiful on the inside. He waits the entire car trip to start having the chat with Peter. Well, of course, that's where the camera is. Right, that's where the camera is. But just from a like a you know, you've got your captive audience on the ride over. Once you get to the destination, he can fuck off whenever he wants. Well, of course, he has to find a parking space that he can't be in too long to have a long, important conversation. Well, yeah. So anyways, Uncle Ben says to Peter, hey, man, you've been acting weird. You've been doing all these experiments in his bedroom. And it's like, look, let's not pretend every guy on this podcast has not done experiments in his bedroom. Well, <laughs> let's not pretend. That's what I'm going to call it from now on. <laughs> John abandons children. I conduct experiments. <laughs> and let's also not pretend that... Ben and May are not looking in the room whenever he leaves. Like, did he clean all the webbing up? I don't think so. Shoved it in a sock. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's what I did with all my experiments. 
<laughs> Did you break your lamp with them as well? <laughs> you know, so he's like, look, you know, these are these are the years where you like men are, you know, becoming the men they're going to be for the rest of their lives and bullshit. I call absolute bullshit on movies attempting to tell us that the teenage years are really significant. But Ben understands that this is not a teenager. This is a t- t- yeah, t- this <laughs> is someone like who's about to be entering his 30s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, I became more the man I am today starting in my late 20s. Like, the guy who I was in my fucking late teens, I am nowhere near that dude. Like, poor little guy went through some shit, but I am not that guy. Exactly. Basically, you are a mental patient in your teenage years, and then you stop because you understand the hormones. Yeah, and your brain finishes developing at 25, which also, incidentally, is the same age that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio will dump you. So uh... That's when he dumped me, yeah. (laughs) Teenagers are all basically stoned on drugs. That is why they're all insane and nuts and cruel and bastards. (laughs) To to steal from scrubs, uh, bastard-coated bastards with a bastard filling. So anyways, Uncle Ben brings up, you know, beating up Flash. And he's like, what the fuck was I supposed to do? Let him beat me up? He's like, no, 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 no. But like, look, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Kind of the big line of the movie that everyone quotes. And this is where he essentially gets the, well, you're not my real dad. Fuck off. (laughs) Uncle Ben just kind of shrugs like, well, you do have a point there. And lets him get out of the car. He's like, look, I'll, I'll pick you up here later. Pick you up here at 10 p.m. Drives off. Cut to Macho Bad Randy Savage beating on a dude. Yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. Oh, I did not realize this was Macho Bad Randy Savage until I rewatched it this time, but... Fuck, this is a great kid. Seriously? I didn't follow WWE, or it was WWF back then. Like, I didn't follow it that well. I knew who Hulk Hogan was. That was about it. The Undertaker. He is not Macho Man Randy Savage in this. He's called Bonesaw. And he is a crowd favorite. Everyone's brought their like Bonesaw sides. And someone's got a big fake saw that he rubs against his arm as he kicks his ass. My note here is uh, Bruce Campbell wears his very 2000 sunglasses at night. (laughs) He's a pro wrestling MC. I think the sunglasses get a pass. He's also wearing a shimmery gold sport coat. So... I mean, come on. Yeah. I want this outfit. I want this outfit so hard. <laughs> it's more justified than Tim Burton. Oh, yeah, because Jules associates Tim Burton with wearing sunglasses inside. But it, this is great because it's a Sam Raimi movie. Bruce Campbell was in Evil Dead. He gets to, he's got this. Bruce Campbell's in like everything Sam Raimi's ever done, even if it's just a cameo. He's in like everything, including like Multiverse of Madness just the past year or so. So Peter signs up to, to fight and the person who signs him up is I'm going to have to check my notes here real quick, guys. Just want to make sure I get this right. A Future Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer. God damn right. Casual Octavia Spencer is casual. Ludicrously casual. <laughs> and I'm going to say in the 30 seconds she's on screen, she outacts Kirsten Dunst for the entire movie. Handily. Yes. It shows him like, look, you know, there's not a featherweight division, right? He's like, he has got snark in spades. <laughs> He's so good. But as Jules just said, very casual with it she's not like being over the top sarcastic or anything just oh mm. she's like 
Like, Perfect. you know, the, by the way, that we accept no legal liability in the event of your... I think that's how she got the role, to be able to recite this legal disclaimer as if it's something she's just said hundreds of times every single day. And then just not giving a shit. It's like, all right, you said you're here. No one's forcing you to do it. All right. So, yeah, you know, like, you're going to the fucking ICU pretty soon. But... And so Bonesaw defeats another dude, and Bruce Campbell goes to, like, the entrance way. And, God, Bruce Campbell's announcer voice is fucking incredible like for a second there like until i saw him close up i'm like is he you know like the let's get ready to rumble like i thought he was that guy like because he just gets the voice so perfectly and so he got to kind of talks to to peter who's through the you know through the curtain he's like hey hey kid what's your uh what's your name he's like the human spider he's like that's fucking stupid no wait wait <laughs> did you skip over bone saw is ready yes, <laughs> I, di- I did he did. I did skip over that i'm and the I'm, world I'm, will never forgive him <laughs> I mean, that is a line you just want to say whenever anyone says that annoying line. Are you ready? You just you just want Macho Man Randy Savage to turn up and just <laughs> boom. So is ready <laughs> to slap her to a syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And by the way, if there is not enough Randy Savage, just wait until the next time I can convince these guys to do Baywatch again. Oh, yeah. That's right. (laughs) So Bruce Campbell introduces him as the amazing Spider-Man. He's like, when I got my name wrong, he's like, get the fuck out there, kid. My name's the human spider. And they're like, I don't give a shit. Get down the goddamn ramp. Also, the reveal is kind of hilarious because everyone's expecting him to already be in a... Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. The pristine Spider-Man outfit, and he's there in, like, pajama tops and, like, fingerless woolen gloves and a balaclava, and he looks ridiculously crap. It's spectacularly bad. I love it. It's, yeah, it's a red sweatshirt that he, I guess he cut out some cardboard for a spider and web design and then lightly did some black spray paint to silhouette it. <laughs> Something like that. And so he gets into the rig and Bonesaw's hose are taunting him as he walks down <laughs> in studded pleather outfits. Like, I mean, this is my fetish, but Peter gets into the ring as the amazing Spider-Man. Oh shit, it's a cage match. Cade descends. He's like, hey, I didn't sign up for a cage match. Well, sucks for you, kid. You're locked in now. Yeah, you also didn't sign up for MMA because this pro wrestling demonstration gets decided by knockout and no one gives a fuck? Like, there's, there's no selling it. He just grabs a chair and beats the fuck out of Peter with it, or tries to anyway. Oh, there's a great, well, great because it's very of its time. But at, when the fight starts, Spider Peter jumps up onto the cage to like get out of reach of Bonesaw. And he says to Bonesaw, nice outfit. Did your husband make it? Very, very casual homophobia. Casual homophobic joke is very Right. Casual. But at the same time, nowadays, you could still use that exact line. And just the response could be like, oh, yeah, he did. Did you, li- you like it? You want to know where he got it from? <laughs> like, it could just be a very genuine question to ask. I would have, God, I would have loved it if Macho Man, Macho Man Randy Savage was like, yeah, he did. He put a lot of effort into it. Mm. <laughs> you know it, brother. <laughs> or no, 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 because it's Randy Savage. It would just be a big, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like Bonesaw Man, the hoser just is entourage. He's you know, he's got his man. In my head canon, Bonesaw has a husband and is very much in love. His husband's the dude in the crowd who goes, Cage! I <laughs> <laughs> say we know what happens in the Bonesaw house. <laughs> they call it the tool shed. <laughs> So yeah, I mean yeah, as you were saying, John, like the like the hoes are giving him chairs, folding chairs to beat the shit out of Spider Peter, and then gives him a fucking like steel rod that he's about to just literally kill him with, and that's when he starts fighting back and kicks boats on the face and fucks him up real fast. Yeah, he's throwing kicks. In a wrestling match. Well, the crowd doesn't give a shit because after both sides knocked out, they're like, yeah, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And I guess everyone just had to go home. The whole event is, can you last in the ring with Bonesaw? He got knocked the fuck out. That's it. Have a good night. Well, these are the rules of Mortal Kombat. (laughs) (laughs) Macho Man Randy Savage in Mortal Kombat. This has rules. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Christopher Lambert shows up and sparkles his eyes at him. <laughs> so now we're in a shady office where, where Peter's going to get paid for winning the fight, but the dude who clearly runs the wrestling match only gives him a hundred. He's like, yo, the fuck is this? I said three minutes in the ring. You only gave me two. You're lucky I'm giving you a hundred. And he's like, that's, that's not fucking fair. I need that money. He's like, well, I missed the part where that's my problem. By the way, Peter has his mask off here. Everyone could see who he is. He was using web. And when he inexplicably stuck to the cage bars with his palms flat using the (laughs) tiny little spikes from his palms that went through the gloves and his shoes again, I don't know. I mean, I think the idea is that he doesn't care about his anonymity yet. I think he just cares about looking like a colorful character. He only cares about his anonymity when he chases down the burglar. Yeah, I can see that. And good point. I mean, it is, there's a theatricality to pro wrestling, so... Yeah, gimmick, sure. Well, anyways, speaking of a robber, yeah, he leaves the the office and a guy walks in and robs the wrestling office and runs out with a bunch of money. And he's like, oh, stop him. He's got my money. And Peter just lets him go. He doesn't give a fuck. Let's the guy get in the elevator with his gun, goes down. He's like, why didn't you stop him? I missed the part where that that's my problem. Like, well, yeah, when I saw this in the theater, there was someone who was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> at that moment. <laughs> and I'm like... Do you not realize what's just about to happen? Do you somehow not know this story? The only person who doesn't know the Spider-Man origin story was in your theater. Yeah, it's like, I hate to break it to you, but Bruce Wayne's parents get shot also. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Oh, God. Krypton explodes. (laughs) Snake kills Dumbledore. Vader's Luke's father. The ship sinks. E.T. goes home. The ship sinks. E.T. goes home. <laughs> What's in the box? He is Kaiser Soze. <laughs> so later that night, uh, Peter's walking back up to meet Uncle Ben. Uh, but there's some cop cars driving past and there's a crowd. And oh shit, Uncle Ben's been shot in a carjacking. Peter dies on the sidewalk. And this is where we get some weird crying happening. Oh, the first of many weird crying moments. Because at first it's almost like they're going for sexy single tear, but it's not quite. And then he goes almost into full on sobbing, ugly crying. But again, not quite. 
And there's just a very awkward transition between the two at the same time. It's- this is the only way you can depict Toby Maguire crying because it's very quick. You, you have to get him out of that emotional state as fast as possible. Otherwise, it becomes hilarious. No, I think it, it was still hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't move quick enough then. <laughs> Well, this continues to be hilarious because this is another highly memed moment in the movie. So he hears some cops talking about, you know, the direction the suspect is heading. So he becomes angry, Peter, very fast. And he decides he's going to go hunt this guy down. And so now he decides that hiding his identity is important because he puts the, the balaclava back on. And we get some more terrifying human modeling going up a fucking wall. To their credit, they covered his face and made the sequence happen in the dark. I will also say, though, that the the web slinging, his first few swings look really good. Oh, yeah. When he first makes that leap, I felt that felt so real, even, even now. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's just the climbing up the wall that shit. Yeah, him swinging and, like, figuring it out, like, as he's going and then kind of getting the hang of it. It's, yeah. Although I will, I also do want to mention that this revenge chase is brought to you by Carlsberg. Because rage is always so much better with alcohol. My my tagline would have been uh, Carlsberg. We're doing product placement in a movie aimed at teens. I fail to see any issue here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in the middle of this chase, um, Spider Peter gets on top of the Uncle Ben's car that's been carjacked, that's being chased by cops, and punches right through the roof. Gets responded to with gunfire through the the roof. Yeah. Now you see lockers, not a big thing. That's the test we need to do. Punching through the roof of a car. I nominate Jules's car. <laughs> I'll bring the Carlsberg. <laughs> and also there's a moment where we see Spider-Man leaping tall bridges in a single bound. Uh, and he gets back onto the car and he causes the carjacker to crash into a gate of an abandoned factory. A lot of, We're going to see there's a lot of abandoned buildings in this New York City. The crook runs inside and... When did he have a chance to put on a beanie? When we first see this crook, he's got very peroxided, spiky hair. And just somewhere in the middle of like running away from the cops is like, oh, fuck, it's cold outside. I'm going to put this uh, on my head. Well, no, that totally can't be our guy because he doesn't have peroxide hair. He's wearing a beanie. He knew he was going to be in a misdirection. Cool. He sees Spider-Man's shadow. He starts shooting at it. And he tries to flee, but Peter like comes down and starts like beating the fuck out of him. It's a nice, creepy little sequence, though, because all the music and everything drops out. And it's the dude just running around spooked. And you get the classic Spider-Man upside down pose as he like drops down from the ceiling and then goes back up before the guy can turn around. It's nice. He's like, give me a chance. Did you give my uncle a chance? And then he sees the guy's face and... uh flashbacks because in case you weren't watching the previous like two scenes ago (laughs) i had to rewind and look it was literally six minutes or no five and a half minutes prior in the movie if you don't recognize that guy from five and a half minutes ago in the origin story that has been well known for 35 goddamn years at this point this movie did not have a lot of confidence in its target (laughs) audience's attention span let me tell you So the guy, you know, he's like super stunned by this revelation and the guy like takes advantage of that to point a gun in his face, but gets his wrist broke. He stumbles back and falls out a window and dies. Yeah. Tripping pipe helps resolve this very awkward situation. Yeah. You got to be really careful when you you put your (laughs) tripping pipes. We can't have Peter be an outright murderer yet. So. No, of course. 
Oh, no. And I just did the math in my head. It's a 40-year-old origin story at this point. That was 1960. Plus, the wool just gives way. It's just like, okay, you leaned on me a little. <laughs> well, derelict abandoned buildings, that's possible. Um. Well, anyways, the cops have the place surrounded, but Spidey gets away regardless. Uh, Despite the fact that they shine a spotlight right on his face. I mean, they're far enough away where it's like... I mean, yeah, they could have followed him with the spotlight, but... But the spotlight was on a boat, and then he could have just gone into the city. Anyways. It's not that person with the shoddily spray-painted spider on his chest. He's wearing a balaclava. The guy in the factory wasn't. Uh, so Peter goes and has a rooftop sad before going home and breaking the news to Aunt May, who cries. <laughs> this is a point where Tobey Maguire's stupid face on Spider-Man was just kind of irritating. The movies, at a certain point, they, they just had the celebrities fighting each other with superhero powers. Instead of the superheroes, there are moments that get me with with that, especially with many of the movies that come out now. Is that people think we're there to see the celebrities, not the superheroes? We're there for the superheroes. Agreed. I I don't follow. Well, they keep taking their masks off or their helmets off, and it's just like the celebrities. Oh, there. okay. I see. And the it's point, yeah. it it ruins the superhero element for me a little, at least sometimes. Well, it's also the actors want to act and have their face on screen. I think that's that's another part of it. It's less work for them. <laughs> so now we're at the the testing grounds for Oscorp's uh, competitor, Quest Aerospace. They're going to test out that exoskeleton. Yeah, Uncle Ben does not get a funeral. We just skip over it. Yeah. Peter just comes home. Him and May have a sad hug. And off we go. Movie's got to happen. Peter Parker, inciting incident. Well, is this the inciting incident? I don't know. Peter Parker, tragic backstory complete. Um. I mean, there's a tragic element that could be there. They might, they might not have been able to afford it. They had money troubles. This movie cost 160 million dollars. No, 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 not the movie. The Parkers. Oh, true, 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 true. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Because I was about to follow up with, there is a graveyard scene later. Yeah, no, no, no. He's talking about, <laughs> no, 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 no. about in story, not. But yeah, yeah, not... yeah, yeah, yeah. That that household itself. Yeah, they couldn't afford it. They just left him in the morgue. So I guess it's been two weeks already because they're they're doing the test. And <laughs> I shouldn't have laughed at that. <laughs> at what? I don't think Nick even heard it. I was so glad that you gave a reaction. Just, it's cool. No, just don't left tell him. him in the morgue. <laughs> God damn it, Julian! Oh God, John is going to hell. <laughs> so now we're at the testing ground uh, at Oscorp's competitor, Quest Aerospace. They're going to be doing that exoskeleton test. And what the. F- fuck is this exosuit yeah i think by exoskeleton they meant weird hover pod thing this is not an exoskeleton yeah i mean when i think exoskeleton i think live die repeat i think you know edge of tomorrow as the thing starts to fly gets blown up by green goblin who also blows up the observation bunker with the general inside with a great laugh yes and i also believe that he hacked into their communications because the dude in the quote-unquote exosuit definitely hears this laugh yeah despite the jet propulsion thing behind him yeah so fate to high school graduation Otney is very very proud of him and also willem dafoe is very proud of james franco he he actually graduated from a place but he's even more impressed with Peter, you know, not his son. I'm actually very bitter about this because I never got to say chess when I was in the when I graduated from my high school and I was in the chess club. Did you all take a photo together? No. 
every club has numerous years. So why why was everyone in this year in the chess club graduating? Well, that doesn't mean it was the entire chess club. Yeah, but there were like 40 of them. <laughs> they just had a large number from this graduating class. So how does Peter not have any friends? I'm sorry. Right, but as we established in the opening scene, even <laughs> the nerds don't want to sit next to him. Like, he's in the chess club, but that doesn't mean anybody likes him in the chess club. Because not only is he smart, he apparently has amazing physical prowess where he can do standing back double somersaults and punch people down hallways. That would endear him to the nerds, I'd imagine. They go to him for protection. Clearly, he's just a selfish prick who flings food at people and beats the shit out of them. That happened once. That we saw. <laughs> <laughs> and now Ben's not there to give him a barely stern talking to. He's going through <laughs> grief. You know, he got conned out of $2,900. He's got a lot to process. I think fists are flying at that school. Uh, so Willem Dafoe uh, talks to Peter and tells him that since he's like a brother to James Franco, he can ask him for anything, you know? Call me anytime. We also see uh, James Frank also sees MJ breaking up with Flash. So Flash is, we're done with Flash. Also, we learned in this scene that James Franco and Peter are going to be moving in together in the city. The Willem Dafoe got them a place. So that's all sorted. Back home, Peter's too sad to eat again because he goes upstairs and Aunt May's like, another meal. Does he seriously not eat for the rest of this movie? I don't think we ever see Peter Parker eat. Even at Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, I was going there too. I'm not sure anyone eats in this movie because Willem Dafoe tries to and Aunt May stops him. <laughs> no wonder he's so cranky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah god it just all these people just need like one good meal and the movie doesn't happen <laughs> you're not you and you're hungry snickers <laughs> this is the ultimate metaphor for hangry you know? right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he rejects aunt may's offer to to make him some food he goes to his bed uh, to have a cry about uncle ben not being at his graduation aunt may comes in to uh to comfort him by the way i just need to point out aunt may is like the one major character i feel like i've ever seen in a movie who they like female character who they just let have her natural gray hair like usually like older women have to dye their hair in hollywood shit i feel like this is a rarity so comes in to comfort him and he tells her well the last thing i said to uncle ben was really mean and she's like no i still loved you and that you know you were destined to do great things you are the chosen one i'm your density I mean, you're dead. <laughs> so later that night, he looks at the costume design that he designed, and it is on, motherfucker. But yeah, this is where we needed a costume making montage. Yeah, we needed some, you know, quick footage of Peter, like in front of a sewing machine, like getting his finger caught and being like, ow, you know, just a little bit of that. Oh, come on. We already had the sketch montage. How many montages do you guys need? All of them. I am waiting for the day that a movie is just montage. <laughs> I'm sure Pixar are working on it. A 90-minute montage. <laughs> like a minute of setup, a 90-minute montage, and then like a minute resolution. Exactly. There's a little bit of dialogue for what they need to train for or whatever the fuck. And then you got some kick-ass beats and just, you know, cutting away to different things to let you know what's going on. So, yeah, so we get this montage of Peter, you know, as Spider-Man, thwarting criminals, newspaper headlines, and New Yorkers talking about who they think he is, and this ties into it. An armed deli robber steals a muffin, which is a very fun sentence to say. Don't forget that there are gunmen found trapped in goo. 
<laughs> that is a headline on one of the papers. Yeah, he strings up like two robbers, like two criminals in a in a big spider web, and one of them some chick in a crop top. You know, she's in a black outfit with a beanie, and the, her top is a crop top. Official crime uniform of every female burglar in the late 90s, early 2000s. Along with a bag with a dollar sign on it. <laughs> it is that kind no, of... No, 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 no. That's, that's when you have the white and black striped shirt. <laughs> Little black mask optional. <laughs> and this is where, like, you know, the one New Yorker they cut to is like, yeah, my brother says he's got a nest on the Brooklyn Bridge. And the other one's like, oh. No, no, it's the fountain. And, yeah, so they're all kind of speculating who he is, what it is. And one of the people they cut to is comedian jim norton yes jim norton thinks he stinks and he don't like him my note about that is somehow the stuff i say about nick behind his back ended up in the cut of this movie (laughs) trixie told me all about it (laughs) now you know where that voice in your head's coming from (laughs) but we also get casual lucy lawless is casual right very casual she's the punk rock girl yeah who says a guy with eight hands sounds hot yeah so her husband, who created Xena Warrior Princess, is longtime collaborator with Sam Raimi and has been producer on almost all of his movies. Like not just Evil Dead, even at least one or two short films he made before that. They go way the fuck back. Wow. And uh, Sam even worked as, I think, executive producer on like over 100 episodes of Xena and like the TV movies they made. These guys are tight i'd also like to mention that terrible subway busking is terrible but it does tie in the old theme song oh really kind of yeah a little bit yeah there's the little bit of line at the end yeah that here comes the spider cut to jk motherfucking simmons oh Oh. my god that is the only way you can react to this scene it's just so good i abandoned children Oh, yeah, how could you not? <laughs> I, I I conducted many an experiment. Many experiments, yes. <laughs> I conducted experiments by abandoning children. I combined the two. I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say Nick went searching for a euphemism. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I opted for plagiarism. I opted for plagiarism. The fast delivery from J.K. Simmons. He talks ridiculously fast, but you still catch everything he says. God, it's perfect. He's just perfect. I'm not going to even try to recreate any of the dialogue because I would not do it justice. No. I just wouldn't. And so he, you know, he's talking about, he doesn't like Spider-Man at all. And, you know, he's a menace. And his was like, no, he's a hero. He did all this really cool shit and that's when ted raimi comes in trying to get him to print a story about the erogenous zones of the early 2000s that's that's what are I, you that's sure what I, <laughs> are you sure it's not about a spectral chicago-based serial killer he's using hair dye to cover up that it all went white back then you know? <laughs> uh call back to candy man and Baywatch. elizabeth fucking banks is his secretary Yes. Yeah, well, because he changes on a dime because he learns that all this, the, 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 the story they ran a spider, like they just sold out. They sold out the paper. He's like, oh shit, this guy sells papers. Never mind. Let's get a fucking picture of Spider-Man. And that's when they're like, well, it's really hard to get a picture, a good picture of him. He says, well, if you can get a picture of Julie Roberts in a thong, you can get a picture of this weirdo. Because, you know, for science, uh, I tried to see if there was a public picture of Julia Roberts in a thong. <laughs> for science, not for 
Not for experiments. This is for both abandoning children and experiments, Snake Dog. <laughs> for reasons, legitimate reasons. Do not blame my lack of children on <laughs> Julia Roberts. Right? The first thing that came up is like, Julia Roberts wears thongs on her new movie set. And then you click on the article and they're referring to flip flops. The Australian fucking... <laughs> You fucking tease. And so they're going to put out a splashy ad on the front page of the newspaper, you know, for pictures of Spider-Man. I love this line. No, he doesn't want to be famous. Well, I'll make him infamous. And then he pulls out his suspenders and has a cigar in his mouth. That's just a perfect pose ending. Uh, so cut to a sleazy diner where MJ is getting off her shift. Uh, she's clearly a waitress there. Puts on a trench coat because she's going out flashing later. She wanted to walk down the street incognito, but she forgot the fedora to go with it. So She won't be able to convincingly pass herself off as three children stacked on top of each other now. <laughs> and or Carmen San Diego. <laughs> I don't know why that tickled me so goddamn much. So Peter Parker just happens to be outside her fucking diner because of course he is because he's a goddamn stalker. Because stalker mode, yes. And she goes after her like, hey, MJ, I just happened to be in the neighborhood. Definitely by accident. Don't think about it too hard. And she lies like, oh, yeah, what are you doing? And she says, oh, yeah, I'm acting and da da da. And no. She gets busted. Enrique comes out to give her shit for her drawer being off by like a whole dollar or something like that. Two dollars, whatever. And gets busted. She's a waitress. Um, Fucking Enrique. Always ruining shit. Asks Peter to not tell James Franco that she's a waitress because they're dating now. By the way, they're dating now. And he'd think it was very low that she was waiting tables. Harry is the worst friend ever. Harry is the worst boyfriend ever. Yeah. And and he's also just very upset that his dad likes Peter better because Peter puts in effort for his accomplishments. Yeah, he <laughs> he earns shit. So he says to her, you know, hey, we should catch up sometime. And you know, he's like, yeah, let's do that. He's like, yeah, let's get lunch some evening because he's still very awkward around her, you see. And he doesn't know what eating is like. No, he's never had a meal in his entire life. <laughs> he doesn't know at what times what meals take place. What is a sandwich? Sounds gritty. <laughs> so at his loft apartment that he shares with James Franco, which must be so fucking expensive. Holy shit. Willem Dafoe's paying for it. This one piece of media, a New York apartment is justifiable for its size. Because, yeah, we see the moldings and they are beautiful. Indeed. Multiple rooms? Full kitchen? I mean, shit. So yeah, he tells James Franco he got fired from another job for being late, and he's obviously he's being late for jobs because he's out being Spider-Man at night. He got fired by Dr. Connors, who is his professor in the later movies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Willem Dafoe's there, and like you know, because he's there for his weekly inspection. Again, he's been up. He was on the phone when Peter walks in and gets off the phone and asks Peter, "Hey, who's who's?" James Franco's girlfriend. Peter kind of makes hard eye contact with James Franco. He's like, well, I don't know. He hasn't told me. They both give him glares, and he deserves those glares so much. Yay! He's a terrible son as well. And instead of answering the question, he just tells his dad that Peter's looking for a job now. And Willem Dafoe's like, hey, you know, I can make some calls, like, you know, help you out a little bit. But no, Peter wants to make his own way in the world, and Willem Dafoe respects that. Bro, take fucking advantage of nepotism. Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> yeah, no. How shit. do you think? How do you think the rich fucks get anywhere in the world? They're all nepotizing the fuck out of each other. Honestly, nepotism doesn't always work. Doesn't always work, but it can work, and you should try and make it work. In fact, people people tend to be so busy that they don't actually give you the time to recommend you or actually take you anywhere because they've got too much shit on their plate. It's a very bad way to go. We're not saying rely on it solely, but if an opportunity comes up, say yes, thank you. <laughs> so Willem Dafoe asks Peter, hey, so uh, what other skills do you have? And Peter sees the co- cover of the Daily Bugle asking about pictures for Spider-Man, and he says, well, I'm thinking of getting into photography. All right, well, I have some film developing in my bathroom, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll break down the second half of Spider-Man. Wake up, Spider-Man. You're temporarily paralyzed from the knockout gas. And yet I can still talk and ask questions like, What do you want, Green Goblin? You're an amazing creature, Spider-Man. That's a weird thing to call a person. Look, forget these peon New Yorkers. Join me, and we can rule the galaxy as father and son. What are you talking about? My dad's dead. Think of what we could create or destroy. Uh, I don't see where you're going with this. Or what we could macrame into elaborate designs that symbolize man's struggle against the void and the futility of existence, and then sell them at local farmer's markets for very reasonable prices. Are you feeling okay? Did you inhale the sleep gas? No, I've been taking experimental drugs and I'm now very mentally unstable. You know. Makes sense. By the way, does your suit get itchy? Mine gets itchy. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back and we're going to have a quick scene of Spider-Man beating up some crooks robbing an armored car on the Warner backlot. That's right. This is not in New York City. This is on Hennessy Street. And he gets a picture of himself with a camera that he's stuck on a web. He keeps turning to the camera. Yeah, this is pre-selfie stick era. They're so rid- No, my point is that it's supposed to be Peter Parker catching Spider-Man in action, and Spider-Man is basically posing. Yeah, I was about to say. And then the photos that Jameson's looking at, I totally understand his expression. Yeah, he's like, mm, yeah, because we're now in the office. He's going through the photos. Then Peter Parker's there. And he's like, ah, these are crap. And half of them are like, you know, there's one looking down a building. And it's like, how the fuck did Parker get those pictures? He tipped the window washer considerably. <laughs> <laughs> you can't walk down a street in New York City without seeing photographers hanging from buildings. They lampshaded this in the third movie um, when Eddie Brock is trying to say like why he's a great photographer and should get the staff job because Parker's like, oh, yeah, I climbed up a flagpole. And he's like, yeah, see, I use equipment and lenses and not, sorry, flagpoles to get my (laughs) (laughs) to accomplish my professionalism. (laughs) So so according to J.K. Simmons, the pictures are crap, crap, mega crap. So he was only going to give Peter 200 for the lot of them. And Peter Parker rightfully calls it out for being a lowball. He's about to walk in J.K. Simmons like, okay, look, 300 bucks, standard freelance rate. I'm not giving you a job, though. Jameson is as tight-fisted as every boss ever. Best thing for you, because, you know, I don't have to give you health insurance or benefits. Right, but I have never had any, any job provide me with a box of Christmas meat. 
okay, what the fuck is Christmas meat? <laughs> that is a benefit. <laughs> yeah, he says he'll set up a box of Christmas meat, like a, a, ostensibly at Christmas. What the fuck is Christmas meat? Christmas meat for a Christmas experiment. Wow. <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't know, but obviously you get it from Elizabeth Banks, so. Elizabeth Banks will beat your Christmas meat. Yeah, she's not going to work in the kitchen and tenderize it for you. You got to break out the mallet yourself. Guys, I think I found my, my I think I found my, my saying. Eating my Christmas meat. Oh, no, that's too on the nose. Yeah. Too close, fair enough. I mean, literally, you just inserted the word Christmas. If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so cut to a boardroom where Willem Dafoe is telling the board of Oscorp that they are now the principal supplier to the U.S. military. What are they supplying to the U.S. military? Don't ask questions, viewer. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, because the technology they were developing for them is supposedly stolen and missing. Despite this massive plot hole, revenues are up, costs are down, and the stock has never been higher. And that's why they're going to sell to the competitor that Green Goblet bombed, because they recapitalized and they're going to buy out Oscorp. What? I don't know. Willem Dafoe's not allowed to tag along because he clearly bombed the shit out of us. We don't want that guy anywhere near. Yeah, they don't want any like tension in management, I think is like the reason they and uh they're going to announce it at uh, their unity festival now why does a military contractor have a unity festival because they're big fans of irony <laughs> specifically <laughs> it's designed to deal with disunity of both peoples and objects you are very much exploding apart they're not the military they just provide the things that cause the disunity and besides, the easiest way to wipe people out is you have to gather them together first. <laughs> so you'll, it's a plan to lure them together and... Yeah, all part of the plan. You know, you, you know how big soda companies sponsor all these recycling programs, even though they're the ones who are the reason why we have all this fucking plastic? Yeah, it's, it's like that. Right? Yeah, smart. So cut to Times Square, where the Oscorp Unity Day Festival is underway. And the Unity Day Festival is brought to you by... Everything. It's brought to you by everything. It's Times fucking Square. It's a giant billboard. It's just everything, including Jansport. And Macy Gray. And Macy Gray is also brought to you by Macy Gray. I remember the 90s. I also remember the early 2000s. Late 90s, <laughs> early 2000s. <laughs> she definitely had some songs on my Now That's What I Call Music CDs. Oh, yeah, oh my God. well done. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I think she has a wonderful, specific voice. But yeah, very... Late 90s, early 2000s. So Peter's in down on the ground level taking photos, and he looks up at the rich people balcony where James Franco is with MJ. And James Franco, to get to your point, Jules, that he's a terrible boyfriend, is complaining that she's not wearing the black dress he bought for her because his dad likes black. She's wearing a, like a red Chinese silk dress. She rightfully so, but way too nicely, is like, maybe he'll just like me whatever I'm wearing. Like, maybe he'll like me for me, and not because I'm wearing his goddamn favorite color. She's not wearing a bikini, and this is not this is not a complainable offense. No, it's a very nice dress. I think in modern days, people be like, oh, cultural appropriation, but it's a fucking dress. Yeah, go fuck yourself on that stuff. Yeah, for real. Like, <laughs> she, she looks nice in the dress. She's not playing a stereotype. She's just wearing a really nice dress. So somehow from like 25 floors down, Peter Parker looks up and sees James Franco and MJ on the balcony. And James Franco sees him too with his fucking binocular eagle vision. That is what I have an issue with. 
I understand why Peter can see them because he has the lens that can close up, whereas James Franco should not be able to see him in a crowd of people. Isn't he basically straight underneath them? Basically, you have to be like leaning over the edge and looking down and have eagle vision to to see, yes. So how's Peter seeing them? He's looking straight up at the bottom of a goddamn balcony. <laughs> because physics... Can go fuck themselves, yes. Yep. It's it's Spidey sense vision. And so Franco has what? Hoff sense vision? Like <laughs> Well he gets thing. I mean very uncomfortable with Peter looking up at them and I, I guess Peter Parker didn't get invited to the party because fuck him. Oh, hell no, he's a lowly freelance photographer. And that's when Spy Peter's Spidey sense starts tingling, and that's when the Green Goblin shows up. I actually got kind of excited about this. I wrote, the Green Goblin attack is about to be brought to you by Budweiser and Cup of Noodles, because if you consume too much of those products, you will turn to a skeleton and melt into nothing. Yes, that is, he kills the board with the worst fucking grenade. Oh my God. And yet the most amazing grenade. Well, it's, okay, it's like a great grenade with terrible CGI to depict the effects. Like this is a Mortal oh, yeah. Combat level... But it also has a range of, like, half a meter. <laughs> no, seriously, because Harry and MJ are right there on the balcony with these board member guys. Yeah, because uh, Green Goblin starts by shooting a missile into the building, which knocks the balcony over. Uh, Stan Lee saves a little girl. Uh, Spider-Man does a Superman stripping off his shirt to reveal Spider-Man. Then throws a grenade that literally just skeletonizes a small corner of this balcony. And this is the only one of these grenades that he has? Like, it's it's honestly one of the most amazing weapons that has ever been developed. And then we see, later on, we see just, like, frag grenades and spinny blades that fly through. The it's like, dude, skeleton bomb. You did it. Always skeleton bomb. <laughs> yeah, so MJ's on this portion of, of balcony that's collapsing and she can't get off. If you know what he means. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with a boyfriend like James Franco in this movie, um, I get it. Seriously. And this is when we finally see the the Green Goblin glider and the outfit up close. Uh, he hovers next to MJ as she like hangs perilously off the ledge here. Hello, my dear. Yes. So good. Oh, he is chewing up the fucking scenery. It's fantastic. So good. Only we could give him more scenery to chew. It is amazing. This is where we get a first, the first real good look at the mask. And what the fuck is this mask? Seriously. Was this made in house? Did he steal the suit and make it on his own at home? Like, <laughs> why? This has no practical military use. It's literally to look like a goblin. Why the oblong head? A thought occurs. It's because when you know when he's back in his house and like the his office, his there's a lot of you know tribal masks from around the world decorating his walls. So I'm guessing there was some influence there. A along with Ted Raimi, that was my Candyman tie-in of rich white people having <laughs> indigenous masks. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> obligatory rich person. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how you know they're cultured. <laughs> <laughs> because they took articles of culture from other cultures, which means they're super cultured. That's what the English have been doing for hundreds of years of colonization. It's called being white. The British Museum is our apartment equivalent. <laughs> so what you're saying is Green Goblin Mask belongs in a museum? 
yeah, so he kicks him off, and then the glider goes through an inflated globe and starts going down, and the kid that's going to crash on, his name is literally Billy. <laughs> Billy, no! <laughs> and he just stands there. He does the ultimate Ron Weasley. He just stands there. He, he does a wonderful Ron Weasley, yes. And just stares at it. He, and he, he opens his arm a little right before Spider-Man is about to catch him, but it looks like he's trying to catch the giant inflatable ball. <laughs> Kids are fucking stupid. And Spider-Man is, you know, kind of splayed against some painted train tracks that have been turned to make, have you make believe that they're a wall for some reason. And he's talking to himself to tell the kid to move out of the way. He's just up there. He's watching this thing unfold. He's just like, come on, kid, move. <laughs> and he's just like, all right, fuck, the kid's an idiot. I gotta go save him. <laughs> yeah, and he goes and saves the idiot kid. And I mean, Green Goblin fell to the ground and he gets at some point during all this scuffle and he gets up and some cops have some guns on him. He's like, I, I surrender. surrender. <laughs> and then just starts punching the shit out of him. It's so good. He starts treating him like Flash Thompson. It's it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. How is it that he didn't say not at the end of that? That's my question. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I liked it as it was. Oh yeah, I know. It would have made it definitely would have made it worse. I'm just happy that, you know, some producer showed the restraint of not demanding that it happens. True. Okay, so there's a this is there's a whole spray, there's a floats, this, this is a whole street festival. Why at this street festival, at ground level, out in the open, is there this table of fancy hors d'oeuvres and a giant tower of champagne glasses? <laughs> so that Spider-Man can fall through it. Yeah, just so we can get fucking punched <laughs> through that. Jesus. Because it's a festival and not everyday life, so we couldn't have a fruit cart. <laughs> I sometimes think movie directors and TV showrunners, I think I sometimes think they put it in just because they want to see it. You know, they just sure want to get someone to arrange it. It's one of those things that has been in movies and TV so long it would feel weird if it wasn't there. Right. <laughs> or They've been at this job for so long. Anytime there's a gathering of 12 people or more, craft services must be present. <laughs> so at some point, I forget, I forget the mechanics of this, but now Green Goblin is back on his glider and he's chasing Spider-Man, shooting bullets and missiles at him. Spider-Man swings up onto a Rasta dude float. Like, what the fuck is this float? He goes balloon bouncing. Yeah, this is the weird gravity physics of <laughs> balloon trampoline. And MJ's still on the balcony. She's actually about to fall now. So he goes over and save to try and save her. But Green Goblin flies him into a wall, just like smacks into him, pushes him against a wall in the building. So this side of his personality just legitimately hates Harry, I guess. Doesn't give a fuck about him because he's concerned about himself. Doesn't care, I think. Right. But, but why make a point to go fuck with MJ then? Because there was the whole thing about who's this girl that he's dating. When am I going to get to meet her? Well, I think this is just more of a, she was close. Green Goblin is chaotic evil. Uh, and by the way, uh, just to get back to James Franco, Harry, uh, he got knocked out at some point by it with a falling bit of debris. Do you think his skin is hemorrhaging? <laughs> Spider-Man falls back onto the balcony after getting rammed into the wall and jizzes in Green Goblin's face to stop him from shooting him. <laughs> Pulls some wires from underneath the glider, makes it go haywire and like zooming around and, you know, can't control it. So he's got to fly away. Wonderful cartoony villain. 
We'll meet again, Spider-Man. How did this movie not give us like a curses or a drat foiled again or something <laughs> like that, man? It was so close. Skeletor will return next week. <laughs> More unsettling information. MJ falls. The, the the balcony finally collapses. Spider-Man jumps down, grabs her, and webs the building to break the fall. But instead of putting her down on the ground, decides to take her on a web-slinging tour of the city. And it's the most amazing. This, this shot of them swinging is absolutely incredible. It is so fucking hilarious. She is clearly holding on to a mannequin, <laughs> and her hair is blowing in the wrong direction. <laughs> so true. They are chest to chest. Spider-Man is moving forward. And her hair is traveling away from the back of her head. <laughs> I would like to point out as well that Peter has not checked on Harry. No. At the first opportunity of him being unconscious, he decides to kidnap his girlfriend and swing her around the city. As one does. And doesn't check on his friend. <laughs> this is a friendship. Asterisk. So Spider-Man puts MJ down on a fancy rooftop that's got like a grass, it's like an elevated park area uh and interrupts a couple making out which is rude mj asks spider-man who he is and he's like you know you know who i am she's like i do i'm your friendly neighborhood spider-man and then he darts away to hop off of the obviously concealed mini tramp also he yells woohoo as he's webbing away like he hasn't done this before no he has fun when he web slings i imagine it'd be a lot of fun yeah i would be whooping for years that sounds like an experiment. <laughs> Anyways, MJ's kind of smitten with uh, with old Spider-Man. Back at their apartment, James Franco doesn't like hearing that MJ thinks Spider-Man is incredible. Makes him kind of insecure. He's talking to her on a cell phone. You only hear his side of the conversation. He's got a very flimsy Band-Aid on the side of his head, considering he suffered reasonably serious head trauma. And, you know, he wants to see her, but clearly she, like, go over and see her that night, and she clearly tells him no. But he's like, look, I want to take you for breakfast, I want to buy you something, make you feel better, and she's clearly not interested, because when he's, you know, tries to do the sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite, she hangs up before he can finish, and he has a sad. As you should do when someone delivers that line. Oh, yeah, after the age of five, like, don't, don't say that to somebody. <laughs> You gave me a variation of that line last night, Jules. A variation, that's the key point. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So Peter's there as Peter Parker, not as Spider-Man, and James Franco apologizes to him for not telling him about MJ, points out that, you know, knows that he likes her, but hey man, you never made a move, and Peter's like, yeah man, I didn't make a move, like, that's that's on me. That's not the bro code, dude. There's no bro code between these guys. These guys have long <laughs> since forgone the bro code. Yeah, seriously. And so as James Franco goes up the stairs to go to bed, he's re referring to Green Goblin, he's like, what the hell was that thing? And Peter says, I don't know, but somebody's gotta stop it. So we're back at Willem Dafoe's penthouse. He's uh, having a morning drink to stave off the madness. And this morning drink to stave off the madness is brought to you by Maker's Mark. I know that with enough Maker's Mark, I start talking to myself in the mirror as well. Yes, because he hears a voice in the distance. He's looking at the mask and he's like, yes, this voice. Who's there? And He's like, don't pretend you don't know. Where are you? Follow that cold shiver. This is the Green Goblin voice coming from the distance. Oh, that's such a great line. Follow the cold shiver running down your spine. I love this sequence. The scene is absolute gold. 
And this is this is sort of the start of the trend of the villain talking to themselves in some duality sense. In so many, but well, for starters, the sequel, you get Doc Ock talking, talking to himself, but also Gollum has his incredible back and forths. And... Homelander and the boys in the recent seasons had a. I would say yeah, it, it recently happened in the boys as well with Homelander. Exactly. So here's the thing, though. The voice tells him to follow that cold shiver running down his spine, and that leads to his ass, right? Like, that's that's where the voice is? It's up Willem Dafoe's ass? <laughs> expected him to chase his tail like a dog? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly, Jules, because as he starts to turn around, I'm right here. Because <laughs> the mirror's right behind him. Like, he didn't have to walk anywhere. He literally just had to turn around towards his back. <laughs> And this thing, thing about like, the, you know, as he's talking to himself and he's switching between the Green Goblin and the, you know, the regular Norman voice, there's no cutaway. He's just talking to himself in the mirror and changing personas in real time. Because normally when you have these scenes, you cut away at a different angle to go back and forth. And they do that eventually, but it's originally just him talking into a mirror, one sh- angle, both sides. It's kind of more unnerving that way. Yeah, I really like the way they at least start it because it's. You you see the back of Willem Dafoe walking towards the mirror, and you know, and it's goblin expression that you see, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, and somehow directs him to the newspaper. And as he turns to read it, that's when he turns around and just he's instantly back to Norman, who's shocked and appalled by the events that just happened. Ah, so good. Green Goblin smashes another glass after he finishes. Yes, he does. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Another. Another. Tells Norman, Willem Dafoe, that, you know, I'm do the things that you can't do. And when he looks at the newspaper, he sees that the board's dead. So got rid of that for him. But there's only one person who can stop them, and that's Spider-Man. So they either got to kill him or they got to have him join him. Cut to the exterior of the Daily Bugle, which is the Flatiron building. That's where the Daily Bugle resides. And in this exterior shot, I don't know if you guys caught this, but there's a newsstand and there's a stack of Daily Bugles. And the headline on the Daily Bugle reads, Statue of Liberty Harbors Drugs. <laughs> I did not see that. It's there for like a hot second. They knew that like somebody on the, the DVD was going to pause and see it someday. So inside we learn that J.K. Simmons has named the Green Goblin the Green Goblin. He's like, hey kid, talking to Peter Parker, like, how do you like the name? I came up with it myself. And then he calls it Ted Raimi to call the patent office to copyright the name Green Goblin. That is not how intellectual property works at all. (laughs) To which Ted Raimi suggests, how about Green Meanie? (laughs) (laughs) The J.K. Simmons expression. (laughs) Yeah. Without words, like, get the fuck out and points to the door. It's simultaneously get the fuck out and a face palm. <laughs> exactly. In just an expression. And it's just in an expression. Beautiful. Oh man, I think we've 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 reached an existential Busey Leary factor almost when it comes to J.K. Simmons doing James Jameson. <laughs> almost. Like a super identity. I'm not <laughs> sure. Maybe now. He's he's had enough of the character, yeah. But I mean Raimi was way too much of a Spider-Man fan. This was calculated. <laughs> this was not a J.K. Simmons was not given, you know, no, not given script no, that's or true. anything. No. So J.K. Simmons has been kind of implying that Spider-Man attacked the city along with the Green Goblin, and Peter says, "No, he wasn't attacking the city. That's slander. This land is so fucking." Good. I have loved this 
goddamn line for 20 fucking years at this point. It's beautiful. He's like, I resent that. Slander is spoken in print. It's libel. You are technically correct, JJ. The best kind of correct. And there's a there's a line after this. Peter says, you know, your problem is you don't trust anyone. And JK Simmons says, I trust my barber. But then he starts like dismissing him. He's like, get out of here. Get rich like a normal person. <laughs> yeah, he tell me get sue me and get rich like a normal person, referring to Spider-Man. I mean, it was just like how my parental advice ended up in the script of this movie, I'll never know. But it was just, I don't know, it really made me Peter leaves and J.K. Simmons had thrown his cigar stub back out the window, but it lands back on his desk again and Boom! Green Goblin flies in. Chokes out J.K. Simmons, demanding to know who took the Spider-Man pictures, you know, so he can find a Spider-Man. And J.K. Simmons, J. Jonah Jameson, does not give Peter up. He has a dimension. You give the character a dimension. This is how the secondary characters are so beautiful next to some of the, some of the more... Um, so Spider-Man pops down from the window, and as J.K. Simmons is... Um, yelling at him that he's a monster comes on his mouth to shut him up. Yeah, but that line, hey kid, let mom and dad talk for a little bit. <laughs> it's great. That's fantastic. And that's when Green Goblin uses wrist gas roofies to to knock out Spider-Man. Sleep. So <laughs> campy. Sleep. How is there enough of this gas to knock him out? That shit has got to be so potent. Because they're outside in the open air. Like, it's getting blown away. <laughs> it barely wafts over his face. This is some good shit. What the fuck? So, on a rooftop, Spider-Man wakes up, and uh, Green Goblin's like, oh, wake up, Spider-Man. By the way, you're temporarily paralyzed. Tells him that, you know, you're an amazing creature, Spider-Man. Everyone keeps calling him amazing. And that they're not so different. And Spider-Man's like, no, man, you're, you're a murderer. We're pretty fucking different. Um, yeah, this is this is not a very good villain speech, and it's a shame because I I love Willem Dafoe because he he delivers the lines very well. But it's the we're not so different villain speech cliche, the join me villain speech cliche, and his argument is isn't it fun to kill innocent people? That's his that's his only argument, or that we're better than other people. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's the we're better than them, and we can do whatever we want. But if you're not with me, then think of all the, the property that's going to get damaged and all the people that'll die just because we're at each other's throats all the time. Is that really what you want to do? And I, I do like that angle on it, though. The rest of it is, yeah, very tired and cliche. But I do like that angle on it. Think about it, Spider-Man. And he flies off. And the ADR is so bad in the scene. And this is where the costumes just don't work. Because they're great when they're in the poses and doing action. But you have Spider-Man slumped against like an AC unit or something. And Willem Dafoe is just like casually leaning on the wall. It's such a goofy looking scene. <laughs> yeah, even, and even with like the, the yellow eyes on the mask lifted up, they 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 kind of retract up into the, the mask just so you can see his eyes. It's still weird. So now we see some newspapers that say that Spider-Man and Green Goblin attack the Daily Bugle. And again, again, Part of the uh, the Green Goblin speech is like, look, you know, they they're gonna love you until they hate you. Like they'll they'll eventually hate you. Yes. So voiceover reminder: literally thirty seconds later, <laughs> the 
previous scene. Jesus. Oh my God. Even Shyamalan's The Last Airbender gave you more time between the obvious flashback reminders. This movie really assumes you're going to take bathroom breaks at specific (laughs) moments. I guess for (laughs) kids, maybe? Little kids are going to watch this. Got to make sure they're following along. I mean, after you suck down so many juice boxes, you do got to go get up. Okay, not what I meant, but sure. So now we're back on the same street that the armed car was robbed. So we're back on the Warner back lot. Dude, don't you know that New York City only has like three streets and two alleys? It's true. It's very true. It's uh, not as big as people say. They just move the trash around to freshen it up every (laughs) once in a while. Oh, in the Flatiron building. That's where they all intersect. (laughs) So Peter is waiting for MJ to leave an audition. His stalkerness comes out because she's like, holy shit, what are you doing here? Eh, I was around. It took me all fucking day to get here, and I knew this is where you were going to be, but I just so happened to be here. Yeah, I took the two buses and a train, and like I heard from Aunt May, who heard from your gran, and that's why I'm here. Doesn't question this. Not weirded out by this at all. She's just like, cool. Cool, stalking, normal part of my life. Tells Peter she didn't get the role, and in fact, the soap opera people told her that she needed acting lessons, and Kirsten, this is Busey Leary factor, because Kirsten Dunst was not in character for this line. Oh, Oh, that's a burn. (laughs) They play it off as a joke. MJ and Peter are laughing at that, and it's like, oh my god, soap operas think that? That really makes me want to see this audition, though. Like, just how bad did it have to be? So Peter offers to buy her a cheeseburger, but she's got dinner with Harry. Um, Offers, you know, says, hey, do you want to join us? Like, nah, I don't want to be a third wheel. Then he asks her how the relationship is going, and then very quickly he's like, nope, 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 none of my business, sorry. Yeah, my note here is, I'm sorry, this isn't your business, as opposed to where her auditions are. Where she works. (laughs) This is something that would be your business because Harry's your friend. Ish, yeah. (laughs) Ish. The location of where she's doing auditions and spending her day is not your business. Right, but lifelong habits are hard to break. (laughs) Yeah, he's been stalking her since first fourth grade. So, I mean, like, God, that's, that's pretty entrenched. Yeah, he's accustomed to stalking her. He's not accustomed to actually, you know, interacting with her and finding out about her social life. So she's curious as to why he's so curious about, you know, their relationship and the subtext. I feel like the subtext in the scene seems to be like she kind of knows he's got a crush on her, but the later bits in the movie will absolutely negate that. Anyway, she leaves around a corner, says goodbye. And then Peter sees two sketchy dudes noticing MJ and following her, so he gets into spider mode. We Seriously, are... she needs to invest in a fedora, I'm telling you. Right before she's brutally attacked by four dudes, uh, Spider-Man just webs them all in one go, just yoink four dudes at once. Kind of awesome. Beats the shit out of them. But he doesn't. Isn't that didn't have time to put his mask on, and it's really dark, so... He's got to like run away before she sees him. And it's raining, by the way. That's a it's an important note at this point. It's raining pretty hard. So we can see Dunst's nipples. So he comes down and does the upside down web thing again. Uh, but he's got his mask on. And they really do got to stop meeting like this. She's like, how could I ever thank you? And she 
goes to pull his... You omitted the moment where she says, I think I have my own stalker. And I'm like, duh! He's <laughs> it has been stalking you since, like, fifth grade. Well, a superhero stalker. Yeah, she has a superhero. So th- this is a new thing. This is a new variation. <laughs> yeah, you know, gotta collect all the kinds of stalkers. <laughs> well, she'll get super villain stalkers because she gets kidnapped every goddamn movie. So she's like, how could I ever thank you? And she goes to pull down his mask and he's like, no, don't. And she violates his boundaries by kissing him anyway. <laughs> well, he just didn't want her to take the mask all the way off. Okay, well, he, she respects that at least. Only pulls it down halfway and you get the, the infamous upside down kiss. And look, remember, ladies... If a man does something nice for you, you need to reward him by putting out. That is an important lesson here. <laughs> also, he's got a veiny fucking neck, whoever is upside down. I'd... <laughs> well, I mean, you have to hang upside down for that long. I'm sure you get veiny. It's yeah. very veiny, in the, like in the middle by the Adam's apple. So Spider-Man leaves and we get this weird like slow-mo shot of MJ looking up and smiling in the rain. It was very, very weird. Like, that, like the, the Harry Potter parrot murder kind of slow-mo. Uh, so now we're at a fire at an apartment building and FDNY is clearing the building out because the roof is about to collapse, but some woman's baby's in there. Oh no. There's always a goddamn baby to save. Fucking babies. So Spider-Man shows up and he webs into the building. Uh, there's a moment of tension because the window that he crashes into, like flames start coming out and there's an explosion and the mother like freaks out spider-man comes out just in the nick of time with the baby gives it to the mother and says your baby's fine and i don't know man you might want to check for smoke inhalation just throwing that out there maybe get a paramedic to look at it there's no soot on the baby's face so clearly it's fine <laughs> that is true there's it's a very clean baby despite being in a burning building very clean so a cop comes up to arrest him but uh, they hear more screaming inside and spider-man's like i'm going and the cop you know realizing he's kind of gotta let him go save the lady well i'll be here when you get back and spider-man's like no idiot i'm not coming back to get arrested fuck you goes inside so he gets in the burning building Uh, apparently his outfit has smoke filtration and heat protection and doesn't immediately melt to his skin because it's lycra dude i think you are seriously underestimating homemade costumery I apparently am. Nothing but the best for poor, struggling orphans. By the way, we're looking at this, like, burnt-out apartment building, and, like, all the walls have, like, basically been burnt down to the the skeletal underwood. No pipes, no wiring. There there will be wiring when it's time for the flying blades to cut through some shit. So he hears a lady's voice, he sees someone covered in a blanket, and he goes over, and, uh-oh, it's actually the Green Goblin. I, I, I did have to bring up, because we are in a Willem Dafoe movie, there needs to be a moment where Willem Dafoe shows up and goes, and there was a firefight! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I like that way bit more than I should have. Wow, not even a smile from John. <laughs> no, John died inside. Like the the last living shred of his essence just died. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and mad. So no, I'm not mad. Well, I am now. God damn it, because you're not listening. <laughs> yeah. So well, have you thought about my proposal? And this is a weird place for a follow up meeting, right? Well, he lured him in. I think that's the idea. Yeah, it was It was more of he's creating a situation that he knows Spider-Man will react to. That's It's It's not like he has a bat signal he can flash up to arrange a meeting. Honestly, during this sequence, I was just enjoying the movie. I wasn't even writing notes anymore. <laughs> 
hey, this was this was this fight kicked ass. I'm very disappointed that this blanket shawl whatever thing that the goblin has on didn't like kind of get burnt and stuck to the armor. It's something they wound up doing in No Way Home. They gave him like a purple blanket and got mangled and crusted on. And so it, it looks a little more like the comic outfit with the purple, you know, and shit on there with the green. And they had the perfect opportunity. And I keep looking off to the side because I have the movie on and I'm just following along as we're talking now instead of reading my notes. Cool. More talking time for me and Jules. So professional. <laughs> That's right. We we run a touch. No one says no to me. <laughs> yes, because he rejects his, his proposal, right? So they start fighting. And this is where we get the spinny blade grenade. Throws the, the spherical grenade that is his trademark, but it splits into these like spinny blades. And this shot fucking slaps still. Oh, my God. This slow-mo shot of him dodging the blades. Hot damn, it is so good. He's dodging so many golden snitches. It's so good. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, John didn't like that one either. It's fine, Jules. I'm, I'm liking your... John, I got an eyebrow motion. I remain disappointed. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> John's very hard to impress. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I need to read that headline. Oh, no, I did. It's actually exceptionally blurry on the DVD because you mentioned dvd pausing so i did that very hard to make out so so yeah uh so he dodges most of them but he has to block one with his forearm and what do you know he gets a big gash on his forearm skin hemorrhage yep (laughs) yes his skin definitely hemorrhages and it becomes very important immediately if only he had some oil to rub over it (laughs) and then willem dafoe wouldn't be able to track him Just, just, just like put a fire extinguisher out, start discharging it, and distracts Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Smash a wine bottle. Deep Blue Sea, folks. Go listen to our Deep Blue Sea episode. That will all make way more sense. Spider Man leaves before the building collapses, and no one rejects me or turns me down or whatever the fuck he says. No, no one says, says no, no to me. me. So cut to Willem Dafoe. He's like now in the elevator to to Peter and james frango's apartment and he it's uh he's he's in the matrix and he's getting helicopter pilot lessons downloaded (laughs) (laughs) that is a very apt description of his facial expression yeah he's coming to james franco in the apartment is really worried about making a gorgeous coming we 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 can't see below his chest it is new york city every (laughs) elevator there's someone jacking yeah i'm going to new york in like a week and a half conducting experiments and i am definitely wearing a raincoat no matter what the weather is i'm just (laughs) not taking any chance so many masturbation jokes how many can we cram into an episode yeah so james franco inside you know (laughs) aunt may is helping cook and they're getting their place ready for a thanksgiving meal and james franco's really worried about making a good impression of willem dafoe i mean i would too it's willem dafoe jesus it doesn't matter that he's been there like every single week since you moved in. <laughs> yeah, but he's never cooked for him, it seems like. Well, he's not cooking for him now. Aunt May is. So tough shit, James Franco. She's buttering the turkey, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, the turkey is having butter put on it. That is exactly <laughs> what you mean. And uh, Kirsten Dunst is setting the table because, woman, <laughs> hey, I didn't make the movie. I didn't make the no, no. It's just like, yeah, it's uh, got to reinforce those gender norms. MJ's entire character in this movie is because woman. I mean, oh <laughs> god, her entire purpose is oh yeah to be a damsel in distress and be the object of affection for a bunch of dudes. 
that is it. Mm -hmm. For the series. Yeah, for the series. Not just this movie. Yeah, she's got two more. (laughs) Two more of recreating this. Did she start acting better, or is this like as good as we can expect? (laughs) So mean. I'm very mean. As MJ, it's about the same as I recall. Fair enough. She didn't have much to work with, to be fair. I mean, she had she had slight dynamic with her career, but, you know, it's it's not really expanded on that much. So Willem Dafoe comes in. He's brought a fruitcake. And Willem Dafoe finally gets to meet MJ. Yay. He does get to drop the line, work was murder, which I, still makes me smile a little bit. It is a great line. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so they're wondering where Peter is, and they hear something upstairs. They go to investigate, and since he's coming back from the fight from Green Goblin, he's still in a Spider-Man outfit, and he's got a giant gash on his arm. So to avoid being spotted, he parks up on the ceiling and doesn't get spotted. How do they not see him? He had to have been in mid-jump when they came around that corner to walk into the room. Come on. Especially with the beautiful moldings on the ceiling. They, they would have been... How could you not look at them at all? And you get a good look at them now. But yeah, he skin hemorrhages all over the floor. It, it hemorrhages <laughs> gently. But it's but such a great moment because Willem Dafoe is the last one to leave the room. And it falls and it looks like it might hit him, but he moves out of the way just in time. And it splats on the floor and how the fuck did he hear this goblin ears clearly goblin ears because he he looks around he sees the strawberry jam on the floor <laughs> this is not blood it is the problem though is that they only mentioned that the performance enhances increase muscle strength they never mention other senses that is very true show don't tell well they didn't even really show but <laughs> they didn't <laughs> they showed him reacting to an almost silent drop of uh, skin hemorrhage. <laughs> when it's plot convenient, that's not. That's too late by then. <laughs> well, when else are you going to? All right, children, moving on. Uh, so he looks up, and Spider-Man is no longer in the ceiling. Uh, he walks out to the window to take a look around, and he's perched under the window ledge, like this. I, I don't know how to describe. It. It's a very New York-looking building with his mask off. Great moment. Moments later, Peter walks in with a can of cranberries that he jokes about beating up an old woman to get uh, to his elderly aunt. (laughs) Great look. He's the good guy. (laughs) They sit down to dinner. I never got the the delicious irony of handing an old lady a can of cranberries that you got by beating up another old woman. He was clearly joking. I know, but just the added element of a joke of I beat up an old woman. Here you go, other old woman. <laughs> so they sit down to dinner at the table, all all the gang, and there's a very tense moment when Aunt May slaps Willem Dafoe's hand because he's putting his fucking fingers in the sweet potato pie. He's the only person who tries to eat and he gets punished for it. Yep. But he eats a, he gets a taste. He licks his fingers. Yeah, that's his act of defiance. Yeah, he makes hard eye contact with Aunt May while he licks his fingers. You're not my real mom. You're not my real mom. <laughs> 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 and then he starts sharpening the, the, the carving knife to carve the turkey and continues to make very menacing hard eye contact with Aunt May. <laughs> Great. I don't think it matters that he finds out Peter Parker's Spider-Man identity thing. I think from that moment, he was going to go attack May regardless. Oh, hands down. But he does find out in this moment that Peter Parker's Spider-Man because through his uh, shirt 
arm. He's got a long sleeve shirt on. It starts bleeding through in the exact same way that Spider-Man got cut. And there's absolutely no way that in a city of millions of people, two people would both have a scratch on their arm. I know. <laughs> it's ludicrous. It's a very distinct scratch. He tries to pass it off like, oh yeah, I got clipped by a bike messenger, but... Yeah, the obvious lie about getting knocked over by a bike messenger totally is a red flag because this is very obviously a cut. This is not a scrape. This isn't a bit of road, you know, or whatever. There's no bruising, no other redness. So realizing in this moment that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, Willem Dafoe gets up to leave because uh, something's come to his attention. What could have come to your attention, Willem Dafoe? You do not explain this. Your cell phone didn't go off. You couldn't be like, oh, I got a text message. Something came up. I have to go business now. (laughs) I must business James Franco follows him outside to the elevator and he's like, hey, I wanted you to meet MJ and why are you just leaving? And Willem Dafoe, who's kind of gone back into Green Goblin mode a little bit, he's kind of become a bit dickish. He's like, look, she's obviously out for you after your money. Have your fun with her. Get rid of her. Broom her is the exact words that he uses. That's some pretty intense sexism. (laughs) So be romantic? Sweep her off her feet? Is that what you're saying, Dad? Exactly. Take her to Hogwarts on the brim. (laughs) So everybody in the apartment heard this. And so when James Franco comes in, MJ's like, well, thanks for sticking up for me, Harry, dick. He's like, well, if only I could only wish to be half the man he is and you don't understand and fuck you. Just, yeah, deferring to his dad, being like, whatever, it's my dad and he can do no wrong. And she leaves. Rightfully so, after he storms out. Or no, no, he doesn't storm out. He lives there. Um, She (laughs) gets her trench coat and leaves. And so Thanksgiving's ruined. (laughs) Anyway, that reminds me of that great line from Phoebe's brother and friends. said, I would storm out of here if I had money or a place to go. (laughs) Oh my God, that's fantastic. (laughs) So back at Willem Dafoe's penthouse in front of a roaring fire, he's having a chat with the Green Goblin mask. (laughs) No, I love the scene. I just, that description of it was too funny <laughs> it is a, another great scene i i will i will bring up one point though because he says that spider-man is invincible now he sleep sprayed him pretty easily how can <laughs> he hemorrhaged <laughs> his skin pretty easily yeah he exactly. sliced his fucking forearm <laughs> but i think you could do some vincing here my dude i think you could do some vincing. <laughs> he is totally vincible <laughs> that spider-man so vincible he's the most vincible hero you've ever seen but he's like well look you know spider-man's invincible parker he can be defeated and willem dafoe's like sniveling and crawling towards the mask like how tell me how by going for the heart and what's peter's heart well obviously it's aunt may because we're now in her bedroom and she's saying the lord's prayer while ben, like uncle ben's photo is flat on the bed so uncle ben's god i think that's what we're a, yeah she's actually praying to ben yes <laughs> yes <laughs> but gets interrupted <laughs> by green goblin blowing the wall open as he is wanted to do at this point <laughs> and she's in the middle of like and deliver us boom and he's like this weird like snm he's like finish it mm, yeah just finish that prayer and <laughs> she she finishes it such a weird moment <laughs> Very weird. Again, goblin ears. Because how the fuck did he know where she was in the middle of her prayer, zipping around on a jet-powered glider with a helmet on? Goblin ears. She's in the hospital now just having a fucking freak out because, you know, Green Goblin's yellow eyes were were pretty spooky. 
why is she in a hospital for freaking out? She's got no visible injuries that I could ascertain. She had like a little scrape on her. But not a go to the hospital kind of scrape. That's like go to the. Yeah, but she's an old lady. And probably all the damage was done to her back from the, you know, exploding wall. You'll know what it feels like when you're an old lady. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I've, I'm already picking out my old lady nightgown. That shit's comfy, man. Don't knock the nightgown. Hey, I assume we're all going to be old ladies in the same nightgown. Exactly. All three of us in the exact same article of clothing. That's how I took it. Stacked on top of each other with a fedora and a long coat. Fucking like 15 foot tall old lady. <laughs> that is going to be massively disconcerting. <laughs> But we'll get discounts on all of our shopping and tickets, so that's cool. So Peter comes in, and he like, sees what's happening, and the nurse is like, no, get the fuck out. You're, you're in the way. In the hallway, he realizes, like, oh, fuck, Green Goblin knows who I am. So the next morning, MJ comes to visit. Uh, Aunt May is sleeping. And Peter asks MJ if she's talked to James Franco um, since Thanksgiving. And, well, he left a message, but she hasn't called him back yet. But the thing is, she's in love with Spider-Man. God, this conversation is so awkward. I mean, I love this movie so much, <sighs> but this conversation, man. It is, because he's like, well, I'm her, his unofficial photographer. She's like, oh, does he ever talk about me, OMG? <laughs> And this is a friend totally told me about this dream he had. It's that kind of. Which happens in the sequel. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that's the I had a dream I was Spider-Man. But yeah, close enough. His very awkward lying of trying to cover his ass that he's not Spider-Man. Yeah, he says like, oh, I talked to him about you. And I said all these wonderful things. And so, like, I, it, The level of cringe, my brain rejected what he exactly said. But like talking about how wonderful he thinks he is, like she is. Yeah, Spider-Man's kind of into you. So I told him how into you I am? Yeah, don't think about it. Just grab my hand, which he does. Uh, he doesn't say that, but that's what happens. <laughs> I think it would have made it less awkward if he did say that. <laughs> Probably. Just don't think about it. Hold my hand. I'm inconsolable at the moment. So Aunt May, like, we now see that she's pretending to sleep because she's smiling like, oh, my little Peter's trying to get some. <laughs> so weird. The real point of this scene is that James Franco walks in, sees them holding hands, and doesn't care for MJ because he goes home and tells his dad that he was right about MJ. She's in to Peter. Peter's always been into her and William Defoe's like, hey, good. My note here is, you are fully aware that Peter's been in love with her since the whatever grade, and you decided to date her. Yeah, being the good pal you are. <laughs> had, so William Defoe's like, okay, Peter Parker into MJ, noted, not gonna do use that for evil purposes later, don't worry. And then he also apologizes for not being there for his son and what seems like a very genuine, heartfelt moment. They, like, embrace over it. I love the way he delivers the line, I'm gonna rectify certain inequities. Ooh, that, that should be your masturbation metaphor, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rectify certain inequities. <laughs> Don't say funny things when I have water in my mouth. Goddamn. <laughs> I like that suggestion. I will take it under strong advisement. Dream Green Goblin jump scare? Right? He goes like, at this, at this screen, and then Spider-Man wakes up. But yeah, Peter Parker wakes up. He's next to Aunt May. Aunt May's woken him up. Uh, Peter Parker's been clearly studying, because we don't ever see him go to college, but like in the scene, we learn that he's been going to college, and he's been... Holding a job and taking care of Aunt May and going back to DC existing in 
Spider-Man world, she's like, you're not Superman, you know. Then she tells him she overheard her his conversation with MJ and he should just tell her how he feels about her because everybody fucking knows, dude, except her. I do want to bring up a small point that apparently the first thing Peter said when he saw MJ was, is that an angel? So is Peter channeling Anakin Skywalker when he first sees Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> and it's no wonder why she's so put off by him because he's like, hey, let's try spinning. That's fun. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good trick. Good trick, yeah. And then he realizes, oh shit, if everybody knows that I'm into MJ, well then obviously the Green Goblin knows, so I've got to give her a call, but, and, you know, tries to leave a message on her phone, but Green Goblin picks up and says, can Spider-Man come out to play? Where is she? She's on a bridge next to a cable car full of kids. That's where she is. Almost walks backwards off the bridge. And by the way, on a bridge, we mean like on top of one of the the pillars of the setter where the the cables attach on the upward. Yeah, I kind of hate this because it's so obviously the Gwen Stacy thing. Gwen Stacy, who was famous for dying. Gwen Stacy and Uncle Ben are the only two characters in superhero comics that are allowed to stay dead, basically. And yeah, Green Goblin, she was his girlfriend at the time, Spider-Man's. Green Goblin dropped her off the top of the bridge. He shot a web to catch her, and it caught her foot, but that wound up snapping her neck. Oh, damn. It's like one of the most iconic moments of Spider-Man history, and they're obviously referencing it here, but they don't give you the follow-through. So you wanted MJ to die? Hell yeah. (laughs) I mean, that would make this story about a girl. Much more about a girl than Um, it ends up being, yes. They got to have their oh shit, drop off the bridge moment, but everyone's okay. No, thank you. Well, a whole bunch of stuff happens (laughs) to get there because basically these kids are on this tram car, and this is a real tram car, by the way, like the, the, the Roosevelt Island tram car on the east river by the way the fact that there is roosevelt island on the east river is probably why godzilla didn't go there he he stuck to the the hudson what what about roosevelt island would deter godzilla well it's it's an obstacle getting his way he's got much more free passage steakenborough no unlike any other island this one's surrounded by water john (laughs) it's true it's (laughs) shit they can do that with islands (laughs) i had no idea this is never gonna stop being funny god damn it i love that (laughs) fucking water so he so green goblin on his glider blows up the tram stop on the other side which severs the cable and so the cable car starts falling and apparently this glider has enough thrust first of all like he's got enough strength to not have his arm get ripped off and this glider has enough thrust to not only propel him, but lift the damn cable car up. Damn right. That's Oscorp technology for you. So Spider-Man swings onto the bridge, and this is where we get this part where Green Goblin is standing on top. He's holding the cable car cable with one hand, and he's got Mary Jane held out over the water in the other. It's like He's like, yeah, this is why being a superhero is stupid, because crazy people could put you in a sadistic situation like this and make you choose who to save. I do want to point out that I genuinely love the way Willem Dafoe just delivers the line, some lunatic. <laughs> some lunatic. Some lunatic. <laughs> with a sadistic choice. It's so proud of himself. It's great. 
<laughs> we are who we choose to be. Now choose. And he drops the cable and MJ at the same time. And Spider-Man straight up chooses MJ. Because fuck children, that's why. <laughs> but if he fucks it up, the children all die. It's it's not a proper choice. That's the thing. It, he's not actually making a choice. Yeah, he chose option C, all of the above. <laughs> in my, in my, from my perspective, like he chose MJ because if he fucked up grabbing them afterwards, she would have been fine. He made sure she was okay first and then got the kids. Well, it's just because he know he can't grab the kids and swing over to MJ. <laughs> it's the cable trolley problem. <laughs> A mass of strangers or one person that you know very well. And have an attachment to. So yeah, he grabs MJ, swings across, has her grabbing onto him so he can grab the cable with one hand and web up with the other. Tells MJ to go down, like to climb down the cable to the car, but she's so scared. Green Goblin starts buzzing him and or something. I forget exactly what happens, but she falls and manages to grab onto the side of the roof of the cable car. So oh, she he just gives a punch. But uh, the second punch, MJ clearly falls to her death. There's no way she could catch herself after that first fall. Yeah, that's way too high. Her arm snapped off. She fell into the river. Weird ending. Yeah, her fingers broke, like, as she tried to grab the side, and it just... Cables just ripped the shit out of her hands, you know? <laughs> if, if her arms didn't, you know, yeet off of her body, <laughs> a la Stellan Skarsgård... <laughs> there would be more logic to it than the Stellan Skarsgård. Sharks are scary! <laughs> if you were go listen to our Deep Blue Sea episode and let us know what you think is the, the more plausible scenario. These are going to be important later. These piercing blades come out of the front of the glider, and Green Goblin is going to skewer Spider-Man. And then, John, I think this is the moment that you hate, because half of New York appears on this bridge and starts chucking random shit at Green Goblin and saving Spider-Man. Yeah, suddenly the bridge is just packed with pedestrians who brought their mob tools like where the fuck are they getting bricks uh they're obviously taking them out of the bridge and <laughs> and they've got like baseball bats to threaten the guy who's on a flying contraption and has bombs yeah that's what green goblin turned around shot a missile at the bridge and killed them all <laughs> right I don't know. I kind of like this moment. Yeah, because it's got to be like, yeah, you can't fuck with New York because we're post 9-11. And... It's too feel-good for me. I, I, I don't mind a bit of feel-good sometimes. I'm not a complete cynic. I'm a big cynic, but not a complete one. John is bad vibes only. That's uh, that's his t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, a barge comes underneath and Spider-Man can safely lower the cable car with the kids and MJ down onto the to safety. There was so much we had of, like, cameos and stuff. You know, we had Lucy Lawless and Joe Magdalo, you know, and everyone. The captain of this tugboat is a porn star. Fuck out of here. <laughs> He's, oh yeah, like the Debbie Does Dallas movies. Make me feel it. Long Hard Nights. No wonder he delivers such a great, yeah! Uh-huh. <laughs> Taboo American Style 3. Nina says, I'll do it my way and becomes an actress. That is one title to a movie. Wow. He's a goddamn porn star. Well, anyways, before John gets too horny, we're going to get to the next part of this movie. Uh, <laughs> because Green Goblin puts a rope around Spider-Man from his glider and yoinks him and takes him for a ride. Very comic referential. Yeah. He's 
kidnapped Peter Parker several times with that method. Crashes him into an abandoned building because apparently New York's just got a shit ton of abandoned buildings. And like nobody wants to live in New York. This was one of the most heartbreaking sequences. Basically, Green Goblin beats Spider-Man shitless. Oh, yeah. As a kid, I still remember just vividly being in the theater and just going, no. Most <laughs> honest, heartbreaking, not Spider-Man. And this is, he starts beating the shit out of him after he, Spider-Man takes a grenade to the face. Oh God, it is brutal. It is brutal. It is as brutal as Julian described. And at some point he's just like bleeding. His mask is torn. He's like on the ground. He's trying to get up and like raise his wrist to get a web out. And Green Goblin just steps on his wrist and tells him, you've spun your last web, Spider-Man. And my question is, where the fuck does this trident come from that he's about to stab Spider-Man in the face with? What, you don't go to work with a trident? It just appears out of nowhere. <laughs> it's not the fact that he has it. It's just it's it's it just materializes. Steve Carell manifested from the rumble in Anchorman. <laughs> <laughs> as good an explanation as any, because this is a magic fucking trident that appears out of nowhere and disappears just as fast. Wait, magic trident, Aquaman, Thomas Jane is in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> yep. But then he tells him that he's gonna kill MJ nice and slow just cause Spider-Man pissed him off. He's like, he could've let her die slowly, die quickly by letting her just fall off the bridge, but nope, gonna cut her up nice and slow while after I kill you. And this gives him pissed off spider strength because he just starts <laughs> fucking the sh you know, fucking up Green Goblin. This is a great move. He pushes him up against like a very flimsy standalone wall, shoots web at the wall and yoinks it down onto Green Goblin. Oh, it was a great moment. And then Green Goblin comes out of the, the rubble. Just as he's like recovered from the rubble, Spider-Man swings and slams him against the another wall, just continues to beat the living shit out of him. And that's when we lose Green Goblin voice. We get Willem Dafoe voice because he's pleading for his life. He's like, no, Peter, stop. Oh, my God. But during this, there's still the pleading, but he shifts back into um, Goblin voice. When he gets into like the, don't let him take me again. Like he's still pleading, but it's goblin voice because he's setting him up for the glider attack. It's so good. I've always been a father to you. Be a son to me now. Blah, blah, blah. Like trying to distract him because yeah, he pushes a remote thing on his arm to summon the now apparently silent glider to fly up behind them. The glider starts flying towards them because he's standing in front of spider-man with the blades sticking out the front spidey senses tingle backflip and the reaction is just amazing little defense is like oh stabbed through the front his final words are peter don't tell harry and he honors this because the next scene it's him putting willem defoe's body as green goblin armor gone just his body back in the penthouse and James Franco sees him and he's like, what the fuck did you do? Tries to pull out a pistol to shoot him, but obviously Spider-Man flees before he can do anything. Seems like he jumps to murder very quickly. I mean, he was stabbed, but... Yes, the classic modus operandi of Spider-Man. <laughs> Stab wounds. Why doesn't Peter take him to a hospital? Isn't this kind of like framing James Franco for murder? <laughs> kind of. If no one else is in the house, and then they have to report the death, and he's found laying in his bed with stab wounds? Exactly, yeah. I mean, honestly, given James Franco's character's behavior in this movie, I think he would deserve it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a hose before bros mentality between these two. Especially considering there's a gun right by the, the table, like, 20 feet away. <laughs> 
Well, that's that's how he got off. That was his defense. Why would I stab him to death when there's a gun right there? Come on. <laughs> so now we're at Willem Dafoe's funeral, and Peter tries to comfort James Franco by telling him that he, you know, he knows what it's like to lose a father. And James Franco says, "I didn't lose him. He was stolen from me." And bro, Peter understands that too, because <laughs> he. I mean, in the in the fight with Green Goblin, he accepts that Ben Parker was his real father. Eventually, Peter's lost two parents. Well, actually, three parents, because mom, dad, and Ben. So yeah. Peter knows what it's like to lose a dad, and he doesn't have money. You at least have money. You can get all the hookers and blow and just, you know, numb this out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he has enough money for a funeral. An on-camera funeral, no less. <laughs> they had Willem Dafoe funeral budget in this movie. And but <laughs> James Franco vows that Spider-Man will pay and that you're the only family I have left, Peter. Hug. Just in case you forgot the Peter Parker VO from the beginning of the movie, it's back and, you know, he's lamenting that no matter what he does, the ones he love will be the ones who pay. Like any teenager, he thinks it's all about him. But I mean, he's had everyone calling him amazing throughout the entire movie. At some point, that's got to go to your head. And then we go to Uncle Ben's grave and MJ joins him there. And she's like, look, when I thought I was going to die, I didn't think about my, you know, my family or, you know, the life I could have lived. I thought about you, Peter. That's what I thought about. <laughs> the, the, the man I actually and I really loved. Inappropriate love speech at an ex's dad's funeral. Yeah, she's kind of a piece of shit, too, now, apparently. They're all just terrible people. Now. <laughs> and then when he turns her down, we get more awkward crying. Such a beautiful note to end the movie on. <laughs> but this is another highly memed moment from the movie. <laughs> so, yeah, t- friend zones her, walks away, leaves her crying. But I think at that moment she realizes who he is. I always got that impression, too. Somehow with him saying, no, I can't be with you, clued her in that he's Spider-Man. Yeah, and not hearing his voice on multiple occasions through the mask and realizing that it must be Peter Parker under there. Delivering the same line that he was in the neighborhood moments after he just said it after she came out of her audition. Well, anyways, that's where we get the, as you are mentioning, Don, the this is my gift, my curse. Who am I? I'm Iron Man. Sorry, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. That's... <laughs> and the Danny Elfman hero music swells once again. As Spidey does some swinging through New York City, briefly perching on top of a flagpole that's on top of the Empire State Building, we swear that definitely exists. That's got the American flag waving and end of movie. And that was Spider-Man. But before we go as millennials, we know that every movie and TV show has a moral. So Jules, what did you learn today? Oh, that I can break John. No, you merely devalue yourself in my eyes. And John, what did you learn? I learned that you can claim copyright over a simple phone call. Yeah, uh, it's not like you have to (laughs) fill out a form and pay a fee. You just phone up the patent office. (laughs) Yeah, because they're the ones that handle copyrights. And I learned that the best way to get a woman to love you is to casually stalk her from the fourth grade onwards. Oh, you're starting way too late, man. Fourth grade at the latest. Other, you know, you got to really put in the groundwork, you know? And before we go, we, of course, need to tell you what we're doing next time. So, John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? Well, we're hanging around the eastern seaboard still, but moving a bit south down to Salem for a little bit of spooky spookums with Hocus Pocus. I fell asleep the first time I watched this movie. So do you have anything to get the folks at home and maybe even me excited for for that episode? Oh, yeah. If that's how you feel, you are absolutely going to love what Roger Ebert had to say about this movie. 
It's one of those projects where you imagine everyone laughing and applauding each other after every scene because they're so convinced they're wild and crazy guys. But watching the movie is like attending a party you weren't invited to and where you don't know anybody and they're all in on a joke but won't explain it to you. (laughs) Of the film's many problems, the greatest may be that all three witches are thoroughly unpleasant. They don't have personalities. They have behavior patterns and decibel levels. A good movie inspires the audience to subconsciously ask, Give me more. The witches in this one inspired my silent cry, Get me out of here. That could be a review for our show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that first part actually is the way we get self-referential at this point. Shit. Really, <laughs> and that's our show if you liked it please subscribe if you loved it please share it with all your friends and whether you liked it or loved it we'd appreciate it if you gave us a five star rating on apple podcasts or wherever you can to help others find us also be sure to like our facebook page and follow us on twitter and instagram links to all of that are in the show notes thanks for listening and we'll see you next time for another episode of millennial rewind